Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, our good audio is back. And we are back. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> we, are, Don't jinx. we are in our usual setup for the podcast, not recording it from your living room in your new house where we were trying to figure some things out. Apologies again about the echo. I realized that it was not ideal, but for those of you who listened to the entire podcast and were like, you know what, I'm just going to get used to this. You know, it's like cold water when you just jump in and it, it just takes a few minutes. It takes a few minutes yeah. and you're like, all right, I'm good to go. Hopefully that and was a like shout this. out to uh, our producer Will, by the way. Yes, who I know, like I love Little Death. I cannot be his favorite person in the world. Um, I think we're very lucky that Bama lost that game. He's a big LSU guy. I, I think if I would have sent him that audio after after Bama won, probably wouldn't have been the same result. Would not have but ended well. Very, very he did a great job. Very grateful that Will was able to to help us out with that. So we've got a ton to get to today. We recorded an interview with one of your childhood idols. I love getting to do this, Sean Alexander. Love it, man. Yeah, I tried to play it cool. I did not. I did not. <laughs> if you hear some some heavy breathing in the background, it's just Marler being a little bit geeked up. You know, not every day you get well, to meet a kid that you or somebody that you grew up rooting for as a kid and idolizing yeah. and all that stuff. So just well, I, I so I'm in a different setup. I, I'm trying to figure out this whole stupid thing with the office. So I'm gonna blame it on that because I got mm-hmm. the mic. I got the mic up like dangling like a professional. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, like bro Rogan in here, but. Yeah, also, there was like one I caught myself doing at one point where I did a very awkward pant laugh. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get, we'll just use the audio clip of just that, just that little three second <laughs> awkward laugh. Got a lot to get to today, though. Got uh, a great interview with him coming up. We also have some playoff rankings reactions. Of course, everybody got big mad online with the second rankings that came out on Tuesday night. We're going to talk your favorite rivalry in college football, yeah. Georgia-Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry. We've got our Week 12 picks and over-unders. We've got some locks of the week as well. and have We're course, on fire with those. Uh, we, meaning you, I am not. I am oh, not. you missed, okay. I'm I missed last week. I think I'm like one of my last four. It has not been good. Water has found its level. Glad I brought it up. Yeah. Um, Don't say that. Okay, let's start the show. No, no. For me, I'm saying water has found its level for me. I got off way too hot out of the gates. I got a little bit cocky. I started taking some smaller numbers. I'm like, oh, yeah, two and a half point spread. Give me those points. No, no, no. I need to get back to my bread and butter. I did that this week. little teaser for later. So we've also got fourth and wrong as well. Before we talk about all of those things, got to tell you about our friends at Sweet Hop. Unless something crazy happens between now and the end of the season, which, you know, we never rule that out. That's why they play the games. The championship game, the SEC championship game, is set to be an epic matchup between LSU's explosive offense and Georgia's relentless defense. Getting tickets to this marquee event can be tough, but not when our friends at Sweet Hop can help you and your group set you up with the experience of a lifetime in a luxury suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Sweet Hop works with companies that own these suites and need to sell them so they are accessible to SEC fans like you. Our suites comfortably hold groups from 18 to 30 and give you a chance to watch the game in in style. VIP parking, extra wide seats, TVs, dedicated food and beverage service, and no more long lines for the restrooms. Bottom line, the suite life is the way to go for the 2019 SEC Championship game. But did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites in season shared suites at other events too, from concerts and, and pro sports to Supercross and family events, Sweet Hop can upgrade your events experience all across North America. No hidden fees and our ex- outstanding personalized customer service will convince you that Sweet Hopping 
is the way to go for all of your events. Saturday Down South listeners can take $500, 500 American dollars, off any SEC championship purchase by using the promo code SDS. Just head to sweethop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com and use the code SDS for $500 off any SEC championship sweep booking. Marler, you know what I just thought of? Remember back in the day, this is a little throwback. Am I gonna say the company that we were doing this with? Because no free ads. But remember back in the day when I used to add up the amount of quarters or dimes that you would save by using our promo code, and I'd throw that in the ad read? Like, that's. Oh, yeah, I hated that. Yeah, like that's 50 George Washingtons or whatever. And I just ran out yeah. of coins and dollar bills to use. So I stopped doing it. $500? That would be a lot of, of, of math for me that I don't want to yeah, do. So. That's a lot of trips to the coin star. A lot of trips to the coin star. I'll say that. By the way, I, I, I got to know, because obviously they wouldn't put it in here if it, if it didn't happen, because this is an awesome awesome deal. 500 bucks. Like, we've talked about it last week. Yeah, 500 bucks. That's craziness. And then on top of that, like going to a game in a suite, I'm telling you, like I've done it, done it specifically at an SEC championship game. There's nothing like it. Um, I can't stress the bathroom thing enough. Oh, it's somebody, huge. Like me. If you have to have a, a lot of nervous peas throughout the day. Um, regardless, I gotta know who got a box for Supercross. You know, that's the way to go. If you're gonna watch Supercross, why not get the best type of experience? That's that's what I, I would say. I gotta know what man Bairdsley. Fu Manchu and, and, and Cole Jeans walked up in that. That's that's incredible. <laughs> Let's get some playoff rankings reactions. The top four, in my opinion, was not that surprising. LSU was the new number one. Um, fourth SEC team to accomplish that feat in the playoff era. That's more than any other conference, of course. Um, can you name Mississippi State? There you go. I was going to say can you uh, name Mississippi State, three? Georgia, Bama, and LSU. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, Georgia is rightfully given the nod ahead of Alabama in that number four spot. I'm not saying that to troll you. I'm saying I said that coming in that I thought that was going to be the case. A lot of people were wondering, oh, is Bama just going to fall one spot after they suffered their first loss of the season? In my opinion. It's not just about the quality loss. It's about the fact that Georgia has the quality wins. Bama doesn't. This is something that we've talked about a lot. And the game changes a little bit when you, yeah, Bama Bama was given the benefit of the doubt because when you're undefeated, you've killed everybody. Yeah, of course, you're going to be in the top four. But it's a different story when you finally get that matchup, that finally get that marquee matchup, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's that's yeah. your, your long When you have a one-game season, it's really difficult if yeah. you lose that game. It's um, yeah, I've said that it's like joking before about how, you know, that is like from a fan standpoint, I feel like like Bama fans are so entitled anyway. They only get up for like those specific games. Um, yeah, like they they don't have the resume to back it up. They just, they just don't. And, I've been saying it. And people that are saying, well, you know, why if every team had to face LSU, you know, of course they would they would have a loss on their resume too. It's like, well. Yeah, but then other teams have actually had to face you know better teams throughout the regular season. So it well, kind we're of... going to talk about that too, though, because right. that's that has been one thing that has been blown, I think, way out of proportion. And, and I will say, I, I will say this again: um, if, if we're if we're starting to talk about, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the Bama part. So we'll wait. yeah, because there were a lot of people that were that were saying, like I saw it on Twitter. I'm like, Georgia's the number four team, is the top one loss team. Find me a one loss team that has the wins that Georgia has, because it's not there. It's not. And after this weekend, it could be potentially three. Now that's not that's not a given by any means against Auburn, but like people are saying, well, what about Oregon? What about Utah? It's like zero wins against current top twenty-five teams. Georgia has two. This is not just about how bad your loss is. It's just not. Right. It's not the way. That, it's not the way it's ever worked. Well, and you look at like so. I've been I've been just beating a, a dead horse about about Oregon. Don't like, beat a dead horse. October. I would never about them being a deserving top five team. And I still think they, there's a, a chance for them to get into the playoff. Agreed. 
But at what I've been saying for the past month is at this point with their resume, they deserve to be a top five team. And now keep in mind, over the next three weeks, I don't, that's why I don't understand why everyone lost their mind. Like, what pissed me off more than anything was the like just refusal to be objective and bring up actual stats. If we're gonna argue about stuff, and I know the committee, there's the whole eye test thing, but if you're gonna make an argument about about all this and waste your time because it's only the week two of it, then then there better be stats involved. And we look at Oregon. That's why I said I think there's a, a tough road for Bama to get in because you look at Oregon. I know I know they'll have a common opponent when Bama plays Auburn. But Oregon and Utah, their strength of schedule, remaining strength of schedule is ranked 74th and 76th in the country. They have six total teams they play combined, and one of them has a winning record. I know that you've put a lot of effort into figuring those numbers. like Stats for days. All of those stats, and like strength of record and what they're ranked, like all that stuff. I tried to, to look at this a little bit in a different way. I have three categories. Well, thanks for sharing, dude. I spent like 13 hours on this yesterday. <laughs> So I have three categories that I look at, um, and I, I, I do this on a weekly basis. I update these stats before every rankings that comes out because I told you from the onset, my goal is I want to look at this with a complete and total unbias. I want to make sure that I'm yeah. not letting a team that I just saw in person sway me because they won by 20 or 30 points. Because you know how you get. I know how I get, exactly. And I'm trying to get out of my own head by doing this system. I've never done this before. And so I'm, I've been trying to do this on a weekly basis because I didn't have the um, the supremacy chatter column that I do on a weekly basis, which kind of forces me usually to keep track of this. But without that this year, this is the system yeah. I put in place. I keep track of wins against current top 25 teams. And this is only mm -hmm. something that I keep track of for every Power 5 team that has a playoff path. So if you have one or zero losses. Right. If you have two losses in your Power 5 team, sorry. It's just not going to happen for you yeah. this year. It's not going to It's so like that. many numbers to, to break down. It's so. a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I also do the wins against Power 5 teams with winning records, which like in that. my opinion is important because... Not all wins are necessarily the same. Oregon and Utah are a couple of teams that, yes, while they don't have any wins against teams that are currently in the top 25, it is noteworthy that they do have three wins against teams that have power five teams that have winning records. So right. that's relevant we'll touch on in that in a second. Yeah. Then the other thing that I look at, because I know what you're thinking, well, you know, what if you just don't have those quality opponents yet? Then what is what is this eye test thing that people keep coming back to? And I don't think that the eye test is the most important thing. But I look at margin of victory against Power 5 teams. And I think that that's an important stat to remember because you look at a team like Baylor and the selection committee can say this whole time, well, they don't look the part. They don't look like this. They don't look like that. Yeah, the, those numbers bear it out. And, and you see, if Bama is winning games by four times as many points as Baylor is on a given day, then that's something that's going to matter. So I try and right. take those three things into account when I'm saying, like when I'm sitting here trying to compare one-loss teams, trying to compare undefeated teams. And it, I think it's actually kind of helped, not to pat myself on the yeah. back too much. No, I, I love it. And you simplified it and all that kind of stuff. So shock, shock, uh, Chris did a deep dive on all these stats. <laughs> it is one of the most frustrating things ever because like, I wanted to do this literally to, to build resumes basically we're going to do a graphic for it later but what i want to have is a better understanding of every single team's resume because i don't watch minnesota every week and i like i'm i'm you know current with i think most things in college football do they pass your eye test though minnesota <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about that in a second um no but like i, I just want if if this is going to be a thing that everyone has to argue and everyone's going to be involved in it want to give their opinion i just wish there was like one place for stats so i'm like looking all over for like okay winning opponents winning percentage and opponents win loss record but then there's like some sites that have like the strength of schedule is different than on other sites and you have espn fpi who still has bama third over lsu which is outrageous like so i don't know how you take that into account so i i like having concrete stats to go with this what 
is frustrating about some of the stats that people deem important, like the wins versus ranked teams. Bama has, a, like, everyone's talked about, like, how Bama doesn't have a win versus a current ranked team. Um, it was against, it was on the road against A&M. A&M's going to be ranked next week. They're yeah, going to be 7-3. Be. Yeah. They will 1,000% be ranked, okay? Um, which is good for Bama's strength of schedule. What frustrates me is, like, they talk about the non-conference games a lot. Now, Bama has how many wins against teams with winning records? Currently one, that's the only win against right. a team with a winning, Power 5 team with a winning record, correct. Right. So just for, for these purposes, like, the why I don't think it's only important to do the Power 5 wins, you look at a team like Minnesota, and and I, I'm saying specifically Minnesota, I'm not calling them out because I don't think they deserve to be in the top five I, at all. I think they should be ahead of Bama as of right now. They're, they're 8-0 or 9-0. They, they've yeah. got a win against a top five team. They, like... Their resume is basically just we beat Penn State, but that's still better than what Bama has. Yeah. So I want you guys to know that first. But we got into this, or I got into this on Twitter with one of our writers on the on the tradition side. And what was so frustrating was the the whole negative, like, you know, cliche, honestly, about, well, there's so much Bama bias, blah, blah. There, there probably is, sure. But if you're also arguing that with your own inherent bias against them, it doesn't prove anything. I know. It isn't like so if we're talking about Bama's week schedule and then you're talking about a team like Minnesota who before Penn State they had played three non-conference games. One was an FCS team. Mm-hmm. They won those three games by 13 combined points. And then the comment that was made was like, "Well, they won the games they're supposed to." Okay, they played five Big 10 teams. Only one of them was ranked in the top 60. Right. In the top 60. And and I, they blew them out, all that kind of stuff. They looked a lot better than they did in their non-conference games. Their average ranking per team was 76.3. Mm-hmm. So, and if and the and the record for those teams was 19 and 29. Don't tell me that just because they are undefeated and they have, you know, they've played, they're undefeated and they're on their schedule and they only played their schedule that they should necessarily be ahead of Bama because they have a more impressive overall resume. When those That's things, all. yeah, the the non-conference stuff was why Penn State was at 17 to start, and that confused a lot of people. But it's like, well. If you're playing down to this competition, South and, and Dakota State. It. Yeah, you're playing down to South Dakota State, who hosted College Game Day. So good for them. But um, yeah, I, I, I realize that, and I think that that that's been taken into account. But at the same time, we knew that with the Penn State win that, that they were going to jump. I, in my opinion, though, I don't really get as much the the Utah and Oregon love, where people yeah. are really kind of going crazy, saying, you know, I, I would have Minnesota ahead of Utah and Oregon for the simple fact that all right, you just. Besides the fact that Minnesota's undefeated and those two teams aren't, you just saw them beat a team that you had ranked in your top four, and Oregon and and Utah still don't have that win against a current top twenty-five team. Obviously, this stuff is yeah. going to play out. And, and Utah has the least amount of Power Five wins out of anybody. Yeah, out of the eleven teams oh, that are in contention. I'm glad you brought that up because that's an overlooked thing as well. We talk about the non-conference slate with Minnesota, and it was really bad. And Bama's non-conference didn't do it any favors. I get all that. Oregon and Utah did not beat a Power 5 team in non-conference play. Oregon lost the game against Auburn, which, yes, it's a close loss. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a win. It's not a win. And Utah beat BYU, which, congratulations. But... Yeah. If you're trying to figure out if you're trying to figure out, all right, why do these teams have this this significant edge when actually Minnesota has the, the bigger margin of victory against power five teams as well? Minnesota's margin of victory against power five teams is like behind Alabama by point it's eight. By a point. By a point. That's such a good stat too. And and so but again, and I think that's where we get into a little bit of a difference because if you break down the numbers, their their overall average margin of victory this season is twenty three points here. 16.9. No, overall. Oh, overall, when you 16.9 the, the points, right? Yep. yep. Because their non conference schedule, even though all those teams were ranked lower than their actual. Con- like, think about that. Their non conference yeah. schedule, that they played them by a total of 13 combined points right. because they didn't have to play Rutgers in the non conference. 
I mean, like, so I'm not as impressed with that. I, I think it's a great stat to throw out there because, you know, there are discrepancies, like, when you look at that, because that, that is more impressive, especially in the Power Five. What I will say is the stuff with Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, with Oregon and, and Utah, you're right, because Oregon, they have a higher strength of schedule than, than a lot of teams. We talked about it last week. Um, they have the 33rd best strength of schedule in the country. That's ahead of Ohio State, ahead of Bama. Uh, Utah's 44th. That's ahead of a, a few teams like Baylor and Minnesota. But the their best win is against a ranked team, Arizona State. They were 17th in the country. Arizona State's 5-4. and four. Falling off. Oregon's or, best yeah. win is against Washington and when they were 25th. Mm-hmm. They're six and four, and and I think we'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about the SEC teams. What is going to be frustrating moving forward is when you really look at these opponents, like winning their wins and losses, and this the tough competition. Because that thing about Bama is going to get brought up nonstop, and and Bama's non-conference schedule was not good. But when you look at like their their opponents' win loss record in the SEC, their conference opponents, you know what it is? It's thirty and twenty eight, and fifteen of those losses, fifteen came to ranked teams. And 13 came against top 10 teams. There's a lot of math. Yeah. A lot of math. Look at you, Marler. Look at you. You're getting back on the horse. You're getting back on the stats so horse. So dumb. I it love just, it. It makes no sense. I think, I think though, like, so we can sit here and break down numbers and stuff all day and rankings. They are what they are. And there's people listening to this right now like, just shut up. This is going to play out. We get that. We totally yeah. get that. I think the path for uh, for a lot of these teams, though, is, is fairly clear. I think that that Bama, like I've said, needs two thousand seven level craziness in order to make the field at this point. Just they don't deserve to get in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if unless unless absolute Armageddon happens in the top ten, I, I will I would be in in that same camp as well. I think. Well, if, if Auburn beats Georgia and Bama blows out Auburn, then that's that's one thing. But you know, I'll say it again: like it doesn't. They don't deserve. They are one of the best four teams in the country. They they one hundred percent are. They don't deserve to be in here. And, and you it's talk about this. It's you to admit. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I mean, well, yeah, like I've said it repeatedly. And I don't understand why people are so upset. Like, but also, why are we so upset that rank fifth? The the committee's not do, trying to do anything. All of this is going to play out. Like, the rest of the schedule still has to still has to be played out. Georgia is in a, in a better position than anyone. They, they control their own destiny. S- like simple. They, win, win, yeah. win and in. And I think that's... It's so simple. That, that a lot of people right now are looking at this objectively saying, okay... For, for, for a team like Georgia, yes, that's obvious. I threw out the potential doomsday scenario, my favorite oh scenario for the selection committee to have to dissect. And I know that this is just totally hypothetical, 100% hypothetical. I think it's just kind of fun to look at as we An sit even here bigger today. waste of time. Even bigger waste of time. I get it. But we're having fun here. We're having fun talking yeah. about playoff stuff and just kind of how this could all shake out at the end. Let's say Clemson wins out. Let's say Penn State wins out. Let's say that Georgia, one loss Georgia wins in the SEC championship over an undefeated LSU team. Yeah, and then that's let, the four. And then let's say Oregon wins out as well. Oregon, would, Oregon wouldn't get in. Oregon wouldn't get in. My, that would be my guess. But that, that scenario would create the most... The most sort of intrigue, the all the people who, because yeah. there's the pro win a Power Five conference championship, and and you should automatically be in. There's that crowd, which they're they're loud and full force, and then there's the people who are like, just get the best four teams in there. Who cares? And it would be fascinating to watch that play out for the aforementioned fact that I always bring up, we have yet to see a team with a nine-game conference schedule run the table in conference play, win right. a conference championship, and make the college football playoff. Hasn't happened yet, and Oregon would well, do it. Well, it's going to happen in the Pac-12 this year because everyone's 4-4 four and four, or 5-4. and four. Um, I mean, like I said, those, those last six games that Utah and Oregon have remaining, one, one combined uh, 
They have one team combined with, with a winning record. But listen, here's the thing. Like, and everyone that freaked out about the Bama thing yesterday, just realize this. This goes week to week, right? I'm going to make everyone's day. Anyone that's not a Bama fan, just listen up. I have the best news you could ever imagine. Ooh. All of the things that they've said about this team, and they don't play enough ranked teams, or the teams with like winning records, um, you know, like the strength of schedule is bad. The strength of schedule shot up to 30, 33rd this week, right? Because they just played, or, I'm sorry, 39th. Because they just they played, just played LSU. LSU. Yep. This week they play Mississippi State, who's 4-5. and five. They'll be 4-6 and six at the end of the week. Then they play Western Carolina, who's 3-7 and seven and an FCS team. While that's happening, Oregon, also Utah, they're playing crappy teams. They're not going to get any credit. Minnesota playing ranked teams. Uh, Georgia playing ranked teams and then playing A&M at home, who I said will be ranked again. Like, there's no chance that the committee is going to look. When, when it's three weeks from now, and I've said this a couple weeks ago, wait until they play Western Carolina. Because people have been looking for a reason to keep to keep Bama out. Like, th- there's no way they get in. It would, like I said, 2,000-level craziness. That, that's it at this point. Let's talk to something that makes yeah. you a little bit happier. Look. Hold on, real quick, last thing. This is the one thing I want to bring up about the, the ridiculous stuff with the media. Heather Dinich okay. brought this up the other day. Okay, Going after my and girl. She's good at her, she, I, dude, she's great at her job. I know she's an IU grad, whatever. But when I talk about the object, the objectivity of like of like looking at things and, and trying to be logical and reasonable with these rankings, when the response that's given, like, why doesn't Bama deserve to be in? I don't know. I mean, I know they're one of the best teams in the country and they play this well. I just can't get that first half out of my head. If we're going to make the argument about why do they play the games, mm, then you got to have to also make the argument of why are you playing a second half of a game? Because it, because I said it against South Carolina, everyone built that narrative against Bama already. It's like, well, they don't look that great. They don't. I mean, they don't. They they obviously don't look that great against South Carolina. That same team with the third string quarterback beat Georgia, regardless. But like, if we're if we're talking about the first half of a game only, why does it matter? Is that what the whole season's going to be judged off of? Yes. That's so stupid. <laughs> let's talk to something. Let's talk about something that makes you a little bit happier. Georgia, Auburn, Deep South, yes. oldest rivalry. You little fall in the air. I know it was like what, twenty-two degrees in Atlanta. Twenty-three degrees. What the hell is that? That's not fall. That's winter. Um, yeah. I'm still. I'm. I'm a little bit sick from over the weekend. I don't know if people can tell in my voice, but yeah, just being outside in the cold. This Orlando wimp. I, I don't care if I grew up in the Midwest. I'm a wimp now. I can fully admit yeah. that the cold is not doing well for me. Um, I want you to do a quick power ranking of these things. Because we've talked about this a lot about how much you love this game, it just it, it symbolizes five. fall for you. All right, Bama's not part of this power ranking. The power ranking is Alley, Queso, Texas Pete, oh, betting the Ohio State first half Oof. spread in this rivalry. Alley, Queso, the Ohio State first half spread. No, I'll, I'll take I'll take the rivalry behind Queso. It's a third. Just Queso's trying to set me up for failure over here. You had to think about that, though. I did. Queso has not been a lot of fun today. Um, but yeah, and also I wish I didn't name him Queso Corgavailoa. That was not my favorite now. Well, I mean... Hindsight. We can drop the surname. I'm just going to give him up for adoption. Um, no, I, I love I love this game, though. This game's awesome. And you know what? Like Honestly, we talked about it before. It, like This kind of game, like this specific year of how we think it's going to play out, this is why I love this game. It's two defenses. It's like it's gonna be like a very, very smash mouth old school football game. I can't wait. It's gonna be so different than what everybody saw with Bama and LSU. Like a different sport yeah. is being played. We think we've been talking about this matchup for what feels like a while now between this Georgia offensive line, the Auburn defensive line. One of the great matchups I think all year in college football in terms of strength on strength that I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing. 
Both of these teams are kind of banged up, though, on uh, in, in that air in those specific areas. Georgia dealing with they had three offensive linemen go down in that Mizzou game, all are all of which are expected to play. But you want to be obviously at full strength when you have to yeah. face this Auburn defensive line. Mar- Marlon Davidson sat out a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss back stiffness. Gus said, "New Gus said he's going to be full throttle, full throttle." Those oh, were the good. words that he used. Uh, new Gus never change. Um, yeah. But I, I hope that these groups are at 100% because, in my opinion, this is just going to be a great type of game that we haven't seen a lot of games like this in college football this year with a couple of teams who I think are, are worthy top 10, top 15 teams who right. just decide we're going to come out, we're going to play smash mouth football. We're not necessarily going to do this, you know, spread out all the, all over the field. Don't, don't get me wrong, that's all well and good. I like watching that too. But watching a game that's decided like this, weather's going to be a little bit colder, just kind of makes you feel like, oh man, like this is yeah. this is what I grew up on. It's gonna it's gonna get the nostalgic feeling going, I think, for both fan bases. Yeah, I mean, with with DeAndre Swift especially, and like they like both teams want to run the football. Both teams. I mean, they're second and third in the SEC in, in rush yards per game. Um, that's just their identity, and, and it's it's gonna be. It'll be really fun to see these two defenses play because Georgia. We've talked a lot about the Auburn defensive line, and and they are the best defensive line in the country, hands down. Agreed. I, I'm. We've talked about this before um, about UGA possibly having the best defense in the country. Looking at some of these numbers and just what they've been able to do, and especially projecting it over like like the next couple of years because how young they are, this might be one of the most elite defenses in the SEC in the last five ten years. It's got to be from from a number standpoint. It's it's out. It's ridiculous. No rushing touchdowns allowed yet. <laughs> we're in week. They're they're we're first in three of the four major offense or defensive categories, which I, I don't like. The last time that happened, I think 2016 Bama. Like and then maybe 2011 Bama. Like th- this is an incredible run they're on, and it's a team defense too. It's not just a group yep. that has you know one or two studs that they just take over games. And I'm not saying that Ohio State's like that with 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 Chase Young necessarily, but it's a different type of feel. It just doesn't yeah. have that like one All American. E- even 2017, where Roquan Smith had that year where he deserved Heisman consideration and he just yeah. could take over a game. And I know that they had other household names on that team, but you just kind of feel like man, this group just. They, they do the group tackling thing. It's not just one guy taking over in a given week, and I, I think that's what so makes it so good. Very, very disciplined. So against this Auburn this Auburn offense that has just struggled against the, the quality foes this Ooh. year, I, I think that that's going to be just so tough to sustain drives against this team. You don't want to see, if you're an Auburn fan, Bo Nix behind the sticks. I know that rhymes, and it's catchy. And I'm, Did you just make that I'm up? I'm glad I just made it up off the top of the okay. dome. Um, that's good. Bo Nix behind the sticks. Um I think that that's a very troubling thought for Auburn fans. When they've seen how it turned out against LSU, they saw what happened against Florida. The last thing that they want to do is get Bo Nix into obvious passing situations where he's got to make a play and he's got to do some freelancing and he can't just go to his his first read or something like that, hit Seth Williams on the outside single coverage. I think that this is just a brutal, brutal matchup if I'm Bo Nix trying to figure out ways where, you know, we talk about with, with new Gus a lot, the misdirection and how that's, that's really yeah. where he kind of thrives. You get Anthony, get Anthony, Schwartz, Anthony the, Schwartz involved, man. One would think that that would have to happen, but against this Georgia defense, they have just been so sound tackling. They're so disciplined. They don't fall for that stuff. How does that really factor into this game? And is it able to? Is it? Are they able to bust one loose? Are they able to kind of get that big yeah. play early on? That that's such a key key aspect of this game. If I'm an Auburn fan, yeah, it's it's nice of Kirby to be able to to kind of shut that down now because I know that. Uh, 2013, 2014, he was not able to do that, and they had over 600 yards of offense. There but I'm not bitter; it's fine. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think that's everything you said is such a strong point. I mean, like, this Georgia defense is so disciplined. They just they don't do anything that's going to get them beat. And I mean, like that, like, like not just in the game, but like in like 
every specific play, like every single play that's like that. I mean, like they've given up a, maybe a few long plays, I guess, this season. But like, think about it. Like they, they've had one game this year where they've given up over 17 points, and that was South Carolina. How many games? Had, and that was. And how many big plays had been to non-tight ends against this Georgia defense? For real, <laughs> it's like, only to the tight end. For real. End. Um, but like they've given up, they've had one game this year where they've given up over 17 points. And even in that game, which is South Carolina, 20 points, they had a pick six and overtime. This defense has been, yeah, this defense has been absolutely dominant. Um, and, and from a matchup standpoint, it'll be really interesting to see because Kirby has been great. He's been great against, against Malzahn. Um, they're five and one against the spread in the last six against Auburn. Uh, Kirby is three and zero, I think in his last, what was it three games that he beat? No, he lost in 2017, right? Lost in 2017, 40 to 17, yeah. Okay. Um, but in the month of November, especially, Kirby has been ridiculous, ridiculously good uh, the past couple of years. He's, I think since since he took over UGA, they're 12-2 and two against SEC teams in the month of November, and they're winning by an average of about 14 points a game. Now, the, the one other side of this, New Gus. New Gus. Getting a week off, getting healthy. What do you think, what do you think New Gus did during, during the bye week? Smoked a bunch of Marlboro Reds. So pretty Nonstop. much up standard standard week for for New Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably went to a water slide even though it was closed. Just said I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this water slide. I'm gonna ride this wave, bro. Um, I I mean so listen he we joke around about New Gus a lot and and this this offense and this team will go as Bo Nix goes. He has we saw what happened at, at Florida that was not great. Ugly. He's played better at home. Um, to give him you know to credit him, but New Gus is eleven and four against the spread. Coming off a of bye week, that's pretty 11 good. Eleven and four, that's pretty good. Just throwing that out there. I feel like in this game last year, there's <clears> not an official stat on this, but maybe there's a Georgia fan somewhere on Reddit or something like that who has kept track of this. The amount of shots that we got of DeAndre Swift's dad flexing, yeah, it was at a record high in this game last year because yeah, DeAndre Swift, when your son is that well is playing that well, you're gonna flex. And and you, right. I, I don't know if it's actually flexing or if it's just him. No, he's just there. sitting there. Yeah, just th- like just Thanos in it, just just sitting in the end zone. I mean, like honestly, all I want to see from this game. And by the way, that number twelve and two, that was overall eight and one against the spread. Okay, still good. Or eight and one to overall against the SEC. Um, the the DeAndre Swift's dad thing. Honestly, I love this game so much. It's it's my favorite. If you ask me, would you rather have this game be played, and the winner, on the field, obviously wins the game. Or would you rather have Derek Brown and DeAndre Swift's dad fight? I almost said to the death. I don't want to the death. But I mean, just like a cage match between those two, I'm in. I'm, here I'm for in that. on that. I am absolutely here for that. I, I think that the key to this game, which whichever team can sustain those long drives, sustain yep. drives, keep the other defensive line, front seven on the field, wear them down. I know that's kind of it's a little bit of a cliche thing, but especially in a game like this where you think that both of these defenses are so talented up front, you just hope hope that you're you're able to sustain some drives, even if it doesn't always end in the touchdown. That could be a key factor yeah. in this game and wearing well, a team down in the fourth quarter. Real quick, the last thing I'll say is that we talk about Bo Nix and you know, his 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 QBR ratings for each game this year. His his four lowest all came uh, against their best competition, Florida. Uh, what do you call it? Like, like LSU, the Oregon. top four defense they played. Yeah, LSU. Oregon, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good. Um, but we look at the other side of this. Jake Fromm, his last four games have not been stellar. They have, they have not. I know he played really well against Florida. But from a number standpoint, he has not. He hasn't put up that many many great numbers in the past in the past four games. Five touchdowns, three picks, uh, under 200 yards per game. They're only averaging like 22 points per game. So I think that'll be both quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks. I know 
Georgia secondary is obviously a lot better than Auburn's, but it's it's going to be a whole different whole different animal down there. Can I do a quick sidebar on Jake Fromm real quick? Sure. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. It's It's been a, a take I've been squatting on. It's been percolating. Oh, God. I'm thinking about this. I'm interested to, to get your take on this. Hate it. <laughs> so I, I would say that by the standard that Jake Fromm has set for himself this year has been mediocre at best. Can we say that? Is that fair to say about a guy who came in as first-team All-SEC or second-team yeah. All-SEC quarterback? Love my bad, too. It was first-team, obviously. But somebody who coming into this year, we're talking about him, you know, NFL draft. He did the the meeting the the meeting that they had in Indianapolis, the very quiet like hush hush meeting where they invite I think twelve kids, twelve like high profile juniors to be and allow them to go kind of see what this this draft process is like, kind of allow them to get a feel for it. And I think that there are a lot of people who like us assume that Jake Fromm would be gone after this year. Here's a scenario that could play out that wouldn't totally shock him back. If if this if this scenario plays out, and I don't know necessarily what it would take down the stretch for this to happen. You know, if Georgia wins the national championship, I think kind of different. But if there is this sort of unfinished business type thing, what is stopping Jake Fromm from going into Kirby Smart's office at the end of the season, sitting him down, talking about this decision, and saying, "Look, I want to come back, but I need a new offense." I'm calling the plays. I need a new offensive oh. coordinator. I want you to go and get and we think that LSU and Georgia are going to face each other in the SEC championship and if LSU wins that game and LSU puts up a ton of points what's to stop Jake Fromm from going into Kirby Smart's office and saying I want you to go find me the next Joe Brady I've seen what Joe Burrow could do with the quality offensive coordinator the receivers that we have coming back on this team I believe that I could have a special special year if I come back for this team we'll be a preseason top two top three team we'll have talent galore Get me the right guy running this offense because this is not the way that I wanted to finish my career. We would never hear about that conversation. Yeah, that'd be an incredibly conceited and selfish uh, thing to say. Right, but right, but seriously, like, what's to stop him from saying, "Look, you make that change, I'm back, I'm yours." Well, let's let's do it a fourth time. Let's I think he's going to come back regardless. Needs to be honest. Yeah, but like, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Honestly, like, you know, it, that is that is easier said than done. This 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 run that LSU's having this year, way easier you know, said we're, than done. We're, we're kind of doing the same thing that we people do with like Bama, like of terms of like we got to copy, you got to copy that exact that exact mold. Like you have to do exactly what they're doing, like that blueprint. I mean, Joe Brady is 29 years old. He's already worked for the Saints. He's one of the best best young minds in all the game. You have Ensminger, you have Aranda. Like that's a great coaching staff. It is. It and, I mean, and you have Joe Brady. Like all of a sudden, like this influx of talent. Georgia, those pieces are in place. They they do need an, a new offensive coordinator. What's to stop them from going to get Sark or, or stop them from going to get like? Well, Bama probably would stop them from doing that. I don't think anybody would want to. I mean, I don't. I think you, it would be more fun to coach at Georgia. Uh, but no, I think I think he's going to come back anyway because you look at even just the draft class. We don't have to get way too into it, but I mean, there's going to be three quarterbacks drafted in the top ten picks. Yeah, but I think you can kind of say that every year because if Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are going to be in that draft class next year, then it's like, all right, well, you're, you're going to have talented quarterbacks around you no matter what. Oh, I, don't God, know I don't want that storyline either. Yeah, that's that's, gonna that's a good point. Um, that, but I like that take because they, they, sh- they, should definitely, they should definitely go find themselves a new offensive coordinator. Just throwing it out there. Just something I've been thinking who, about. Who would you get? Well, that's the question. You know, a guy like Joe Brady was off of everybody's radar at this time last year. And if, if he says to Kirby, like, hey – Look, find me a guy who can do what LSU just did. And obviously, that's way easier said than done. But go to the NFL ranks and say, I want to get a coordinator who realizes that it's 2020 and not that it's 1995 anymore. I understand we got a great offensive line. You know what we got coming back? We got receiver talent galore. They're yeah. loaded at that position. I think that Georgia would have the personnel theoretically if they had the right person in place to put up a ton of points in a different way 
if they were able to, you know, get the right offensive mind in there. That's just a thought. I think short list, Dakota Carter and Luke Del Rio. Let's do it, man. Bottom line. Let's do it. Let's get our buddy Luke involved in that. He would love it. Let's do our Week 12 picks and over-unders. The slate this week, I feel like I've been saying this for a while. You know what? You know what? I'm going to take I'm gonna take it back. I'm going take to take a second and pause here. It's SEC competition against SEC competition for everybody in the conference, and I'm just going to be grateful of that. And you know what? We only have yeah, a few more of these regular season weekends, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, everyone shut up with all the arguing and stuff like that because it's there's three there's three more weeks. Let's hold hands on Saturday and watch some football together. Let's appreciate this. I feel like Uncle Frank at Home Alone is like you're not going to ruin my vacation. Uncle Frank is the worst. The worst. He is the worst. I'm just. I feel like so is Twitter. Twitter's Uncle Frank. That's true. I don't know who I am. That's true. I don't know who I am. <laughs> Florida, Florida, Mizzou. Florida is a seven-point favorite, which I didn't think Florida was going to be a single-digit favorite considering how bad Mizzou has been lately. But Mizzou does get to play this game at home. And I know every Mizzou fan who's listening to this is saying, Mizzou kicked the crap out of Florida the last two years. What's to say they can't combined do it again? points. That's a lot of points. Everybody remembers how this game went down last year. Drew Locke got his only win against a top 25 team and did it in very emphatic fashion. Florida, though, different set of circumstances this year. I think Florida covers a seven-point spread on the road, despite the fact that this is a team that, with a Georgia win, they are eliminated from the SEC East. Um, but I do think that Florida comes out ready to go. And it's just hard to trust Mizzou these days. And it's, Kelly Bryant, even though we think he's going to be able to play in this one, I would not want to be less than 100% going against that Florida defense. No, not at all. And I, I tell you what, like you, you've brought it up uh, this week, like just in like our own talks, like off off air. Dan Mullen has done such an incredible job this season. And and you look at like the teams he's lost to, they're ranked one and four in the country. They're both away games. One of them's in the toughest place in the, in the country. Like he's he's done such an incredible job. And I tell you what, he's done a, a much better job this year than he has in the past. Beating the teams he's supposed to beat and, and beating them like a drum, to be honest. Florida hasn't done um, that even when Florida's been good in this post Urban Meyer era. That's the thing that I yeah. think is a little bit different about this team. Yeah, I mean, like the South Carolina game, I know it was close in the fourth quarter, but like they pulled away. We're not going to get into it again because people are still hurt. But regardless, this line really surprised me because when I mean, you look at this, and I know that Mizzou, they won the last two games by, by 50 combined points, right? That's, that's a very impressive stat. I know when they're at home, they're averaging 40.4 points a game, and they're giving up 11.6. That is 23 more and 17 less uh, than they do on the road. Think about that. It's a night and day. Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know which one's good and which one's bad between Jekyll and Hyde, but I know that's Jekyll and Hyde. I think I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anyway, but uh, now now I can't. I keep thinking of Sherlock Holmes for some reason. Regardless, I, I don't think that Florida is going to be. Florida. First off, you have a revenge game because they got they got beat by twenty one points at home last year against them. Yeah, last year was um, a revenge game too. It didn't seem to matter, but that's okay. Very actually strong point there. Um, yeah, again, the line worries me. I've said this before, and I got a lot of crap for it. Mizzou doesn't seem like the most, I'll say, exciting place, most electric atmosphere to play. It's going to be cold. Um, stands probably won't be filled just because what's been going on. I'm. I think Florida wins big in this game. Big, big. I wouldn't be surprised as well. Florida, we think, will cover the spread. How about this? The over-under that I set is references to Kyle Trask's performance against Mizzou last year. Keep in mind that he came in for Felipe Franks, and all of a sudden we're thinking, all right, is this going to be a new era upon us? Is Dan Mullen finally making a change? And then he breaks his leg the following week in practice. I think that there will be, well, the over-under that I set is two references. 
Yeah, that's probably fair. Especially if he puts up like 300 yards. So push. Yeah, well, I mean, he'll probably go over that, I guess. I like They'll it. They'll in the beginning of the, the broadcast and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is weird, man. This is just a weird game because it's like, you look at it on paper and just not even from a brand standpoint, like this this doesn't make sense that Florida, this is, a seven-point spread seems way too low, am I right? Seven-point spread does feel low, but it feels so low that it's one of it's those, something. what does Vegas know, what do we, what yeah. do we not know in this game? Good point. Um, Florida is two and five against the spread against Missouri all the time. I don't really take that. I'm just saying. I don't take that into account as much, but that's different. Well, I'm glad I brought it up. Time. That's fine. Bama is a 21-point favorite on the road against the fighting Joe Moorheads in Mississippi State. The Cowbells are going to be rocking. Mississippi State coming off a of bye week, your favorite thing to throw out there. Do you think Bama covers a three-touchdown spread? They So they have to. They absolutely have style to. Style points. I mean, that's style points. It's like they – like from – from a identity standpoint, they have to come back out and they have to reestablish themselves and and like like find their identity because because what happened last week, especially on defensively, I mean it was it wasn't great. It wasn't great, obviously. Um, it, it does all the things are in place for them to look flat and come out and disappointing. Uh, Saban's one in three, I guess, against the spread. Like this last four coming off a loss. Usually those are in the playoffs, though. I I'll say this, Joe Moorhead. I brought this up before Tennessee. I don't know what he does on those off weeks. I have no idea. They went to what he, what he's eighty-one doing. high schools for recruiting. He went to every high school that he possibly could have, essentially during that time. That's adorable. They're zero uh, and three coming off a bye at Mississippi State under him. That's that's mainly what I was getting to. Um, you had to go there. I, I don't. I did. I did. I, this this line has come down to I think like eighteen and a half. Just bottom line, Mississippi State's not a good football team. They're not a good football they're team. Not. That secondary is their weakest link on their entire team, and that's what Bama, obviously, their strength is on offense. I don't think this is close, and I'm, I'm hoping this is not just me uh, being biased here because it, it has every every potential you could imagine in place to be a letdown, all of it. I mean, it's a 12 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock start. It's the week after a, a devastating loss. You might not be in the playoffs, all those things. I just I have a feeling that, that Bama comes out and takes care of business I think, like early, early, early because they have no choice. They have no choice. I agree, and I think that on both sides of the coin, I look I look forward to the justification. If if Bama comes out and dominates this one, it's oh yeah, they were just so eager to get the bad taste out of their mouth. They just mm-hmm. just they were ready to go for that one. They wanted to forget about LSU, and then if they come out slow, it's well, you know, they did play a physical tough game last week against a really. I don't good think team. anyone's gonna say that. No, like, no one's I, gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I do that subconsciously, like going back and forth, and like yeah. just just trying to like figure out why a team played the way that it did. So I'm looking forward to that. They, I will say from a defensive standpoint um, for Bama, which is where I really want to see the most improvement here because two is going to put up his numbers against this. It's a very bad secondary. They're ranked like uh, 10th or 11th or worse yep. in almost every major category in the SEC. Um, and, and again, they have 19 turnovers, which is second to last in the SEC. Bama leads the SEC in turnover. Which what's up. Two is technically a game-time decision. We think he's going to be able to play. I, yeah, it's a different set of circumstances than LSU because if we're being honest, I think Bama can beat Mississippi State with Mac Jones at quarterback. Just throwing that out there. I, yeah, it, but it also depends on. Ugh, th- I mean, yeah, that's that's interesting. If he doesn't play, that's that's really not a good sign for the playoff hopes because you can sit him next week. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think you have to really use his entire game like get him running around. Like Mississippi State's not going to put a lot of pressure on him. Regardless, that defense. That's where I want to see the most improvement. Bama has, uh, Mississippi State has scored seven points or less in eight of their last eleven games against Bama. Yep. 
Not ideal for the fight in Joe Moorheads. I agree. I think Bama's going to cover in this game. But you can't... I'll be interested to see if Mississippi State can actually run the ball. I expect them to be behind early, probably. But if they can actually run the ball against that front seven yeah. with Kylan Hill. Um, I set the over-under at 2.5 for references to the phrase style points. Uh, over. Over. How many times are we going to see that picture of Joe Moorhead be, or uh, Joe Burrow being carried off the field? Two. What if Joe Moorhead beats Bama? What are you going to do? I, I swear to God. Oh, I'll have a you... rant ready. I'll have a rant oh, ready. Oh, man. What would the rant be? You'd be, be so happy. It would be a rant for everybody who buried Joe Moorhead, even though I was kind you of You buried Joe Moorhead. If <laughs> you listen up, Connor, it's just you saying it into the mirror. I'll just be like, took 24 games, but you know what? You guys. You guys just doubted my guy, Joe Moorhead, one of the great offensive minds in college football. But yeah, yeah, be something like sure. that. Sure, they're uh, they're getting outscored. Um, no, not at all. They, they've they've looked real bad the last couple games. Kentucky is a ten point favorite on the road against Vandy. Kentucky fighting for bowl eligibility. Need to win a couple games down the stretch here to be able to do that. That Tennessee loss looms large. Do you think Kentucky finally given a double? I think it's it's got to be the first time in. Well, yeah, first time in SEC play that they've been a double-digit favorite oh, yeah. in a game, despite the fact that they played Arkansas and Tennessee. Do you think Kentucky can cover a 10-point spread in Nash Vegas? Um, I, I hate this line more than anything. I do, too. This is the worst, man. This is the absolute worst. Uh, uh, Vandy's so bad. They're so bad. And and what they didn't they just rolled over and died last week against Florida. And I get that's a really good defense. Derek Mason's like one and nine in his last ten against the spread. He's three and eleven versus the SEC East at home. Um, here's the thing though: Kentucky on the road versus at home has not looked great. I know they're fighting for their playoff lives or their wow, their playoff lives, their um, their bowl hopes and all that kind of stuff. I think I think they'll win. Ten points is way too much for this team. They before this before this, I think Kentucky was oh and I wish I would have written this down somewhere. Oh, in in their last seven or one in the last one and six in the last seven, when they're a ten point uh, favorite or ten or more points. God dang it, Chris! Favorite by ten or more points under Mark Stoops. They only won this game by seven last year. Very different team, obviously different yeah. offensive identity, of course. But they're averaging six point seven points per game on the road. I'm still gonna take. I think there's just something weird going on with Vandy right now. I think that yeah. just the the sort of the the way that they have just been flat completely the last couple weeks since that well I mean I guess they only had the one game since the Mizzou game technically but I I just think that there's something off there I I think there's something very off I would not trust them to be able to score points even though Riley Neal is expected to play returning from a concussion in this game but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling I don't think that matters Uh, yeah I mean I think it matters a little bit more than being down your third string quarterback like they were against Florida but still I'm gonna take Kentucky to cover this game I think we get the Lynn Bowden All-America talk coming back yeah do it um, I set the over/under for total completed passes in this game oh at 22. That's both teams. <laughs> um, under by a lot. Welcome to 2019, where there can actually be a football game with less than 22 completed passes. I would not rule that out as yeah, well. I, w- I think I'm with you on this. I think Kentucky can cover. That that is. You're changing. I mean, Vandy's, Vandy's just bad. I mean, like it just like all the stats. I was bringing up like they don't make sense like in this case for Mark Stoops because he's not been great on the road but like Vandy's so bad there's there's so bad Vandy's last actually in the entire co- or second to last in the country in, against the spread this year I believe that I believe is Akron the worst No I'm gonna tell you later because it's gonna be in our in our picks Oh nice little tease I see what you did there Georgia 
Auburn. You know what? Let's save that for the end. Let's save, save that, that one. for yeah, the end. I'm go. sorry. Yes. LSU, 21-point favorite on the road against Ole Miss, coming off of the Bama win. I think that Vegas has sort of already baked in the hangover element into this line, but I actually like Ole Miss to cover the spread. Call me crazy on this one. I think that Ole Miss is going to be able to run the ball against LSU, and I think that... Ooh. I think that they keep it a little bit closer. I'm not saying that that this is by any means like a close down-to-the-wire game or anything like that. Playing for Matt Luke, I think that this team shows Who? up a little... Who? Playing for you, Matt Luke. Matt Luke. I am talking about Matt Luke. I think that they can maybe keep it, you know, 17-point game, something like that. And not, not so I much mean, that the LSU, like, this is going to be some massive hangover, but I just think actually Ole Miss has done some things better than what their record actually shows. I think that the, yeah. at home, maybe, I, I don't know. I just I, I see this being like a, a 34-17 type game that we kind of look up and we're like, all right, that wasn't that bad. Ole Miss could have been worse. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I think all those are great points. I will say this, and, and I was I thought this was a, this line was way too high at first. Because especially with LSU, it, more so with less miles. There's always that talk about like the Bama fatigue after after they played Bama. And like I forgot the exact numbers like when, was, when Miles was there, but the week after they were not very good. They were not a good football team. Um, the only numbers I could find, Connor, were way too big. Uh, they are 13-25-1 against the spread in uh, the following week after Bama since 1980, which I don't think all that's going to come into play. Probably not. But no. But I will say um, I, I, I'm with you. I, th- I think that Ole Miss is going to keep this game closer, especially in the first half, then, then it'll be comfortable for LSU. Um, it's just, like that, you see what it means to the state of Louisiana in general. Like they, they're still just riding, riding a very big high off that Bama game. I will say this: Ole Miss offense, its best rushing offense in the SEC. LSU's defense, second best rushing defense in the SEC. Coach O, who you saw after the Bama game, seems like one of the more vengeful, angry, That's a great point people, and and revenge being on the mind. And like, and somebody brought this up the other day on SC this morning and he's like there's just this SEC this game against Ole Miss he's he's played him three times now as the head coach at, at LSU once is the interim he's beaten he's beaten him by an average of like 17 points he's covered the spread and all I'm sorry by an average of 20 uh 21 points and he's covered the spread all three games I think he takes it out on him in Oxford in Oxford hotty toddy what a few that's good I like what you did there yeah I don't like I didn't like what I said there but this will be fun you know what like maybe we should just do a live feed of, of me Doing like a Muppets thing back and forth of like Matt Luke and Coach O the whole time. I was gonna, go well. I was gonna say, are they gonna take the same sort of charter bus or car or whatever to to show up to your place on Sunday morning when we record? That's right. You talking about Go Tigers? Go Tigers? No, no, Coach O. I'm a family man. I'm not gonna cuss like that. I saw what you did last week. That, that ain't for me. That ain't for me. Okay, I got a little class down here in Oxford. <laughs> I set the over under at Clyde Edwards Elaire carries at fourteen and. I really just threw in this because I want to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire because I love him. Yeah, he's great. Um, and see, you love him. Yes, I love him. Um, no, I, I I tweeted this out. I think he's a first team All SEC running back if the season ends yeah, today. Yeah, without a doubt. I think he is. He's which getting is better crazy. every game as the year's gone on. And there are four games. I I I was you know Hester brought this up beforehand about how he shows up for the biggest games. And there are four games that they've had against top ten teams this year. Dude has averaged over 150 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns in those games. It's top 10 teams. That's pretty yeah. good for a guy who's considered, you know, sort of a scat back. He's going to give away to all these five-star guys. I, who here. said he was a scat back? Because that he is, is not. one of the worst. That, wow. Not at all. Um, I, That's my head. So the over-under for his carry is 14. What are you taking? 
Um, I don't really know. I'll be honest. I don't just take the push. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get, I mean, probably under, I guess. I don't how know. Much, I mean, yeah. How much will they need him is, is yeah. really the question that I wanted to get to with that. But, um, I, maybe they, maybe they keep feeding him. Maybe you're onto something here. Maybe they could be feeding him. They definitely fed him a whole lot against Bama. That's for sure. Fed him a lot the last two weeks. He's had over, I think he's had like over like around like 60 touches combined in the last two weeks. I mean, he is, he's, I being, get it. Connor still sings. Yeah. Um, South Carolina and A&M. A&M is an 11-point home favorite. The only home favorite in the SEC this week. That could be interesting. That is bizarre. Yeah. South Carolina is is banged up offensively, dealing without uh, Orchard Smith. Um, uh, Tavian Feaster is going to be out in this game as well. Do we think A&M can actually win by a couple touchdowns against an SEC team, or is that too big of a line? Dude, so A&M is, they've lost their last six games coming off a of bye week. Jimbo. I don't even know how it's possible, but I know, well, no, Jimbo's actually been pretty good coming off a of bye. But a lot of that's because they, they usually have Bama after that. Um, I don't remember if they had LSU uh, after a bye last week, but or, or actually they beat LSU last year. But um, regardless, I think that number's a little bit skewed. South Carolina, I think, is at the point where it's all about to just hit the fan? spiral even further out of control. Just, I mean, listen, you lost at home to App State, and people are saying this because, like, they lost to App State. Like, App, like Georgia lost to South Carolina, and South Carolina lost to App State. That's not your best argument because App State's, like, 9-1. and one. App State's a they're pretty in the good top team. They're in the top 25 right now. Exactly. Um, I, I think with South Carolina, the last thing I would want to do after losing at home to a group of five school is go 1,000, 1,200 miles away to the land of boas and having fun and finger guns. Reveille. After a after a week off, they're they're gonna get destroyed. Whoa. This this is I don't like it at eleven and a half because it's gone up. When it when it opened around like nine nine and a half, I will I'll buy it down to that. That they are going to cover that like they they're going to destroy South Carolina. And and I listen, we have a lot of South Carolina fans that listen to the show. You guys know I love you. I'm I'm not saying this to be rude. I just think that we're at this point of the season where the wheels have fallen off. You're you're not gonna get to a bowl, and it, like I, I don't know how much they're gonna fight. For, for this form, I mean, they're a loss away from being ineligible for a bowl game, which a few weeks ago we did bowl or no bowl, and I, I thought they were going to the postseason. That has not been the case, though. They've had a couple of dud performances against Tennessee. They had dud performances Wait, no, they, against Absolute. Yeah, okay. Good yeah, point. two games left, one of which against Clemson. So, in other words, they're not going to a bowl game. I, right. I, I don't know that it's going to be a blowout because, like I said, I just always have a tough time picking AM to to run away with the game. I just don't. I don't know that they're right. necessarily going to put up 40 points or something like that. I realize Tennessee was able to do that a couple of weeks ago. But I think that South Carolina has just a little bit of fight. A little bit of fight to make it somewhat close. South Carolina loses this game by 10 or something like that. And I, I think I bet on South Carolina, or I picked South Carolina to cover the spread like last month of the season. Basically every game since Georgia. I'm like, oh yeah, that, yeah. they'll cover, no problem. Lock. No, I actually picked Florida to cover the spread uh, against South Carolina. I think I did. Right. Yeah. Well, that was not my favorite. The five and a half point. That's right. Ordeal. Other than that, though, I yeah. think I picked them to cover the spread every single week. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that this. Good. I think that this is still um, an A and M team that's that's been able to figure some things out in the last month. I think the running game has been better. Um, I don't know how much success they're going to have running against that really good South Carolina defensive line, but I would still tend to think that South Carolina could keep this kind of close, fighting for a Wilmot's champ and trying to get him some sort of momentum down the stretch. I've I've been big on this static uh, recently, and because I think there's a lot of teams in the SEC that it really, especially when you're going out to College Station, that's just not an easy trek. Are they still playing for a damn trophy in this game? That's my least favorite. It's just going to be a lot of maroon. 
Okay, that's also fair. It's Garnet, but anyway. Um, t- three and nine in their last 12 road games versus the SEC West for, for Will Muschamp. Uh, they've also never beaten A&M. <laughs> They're 0 and 5 in the series. We we're talking about this, um, but, but this whole thing about like the being playing at home versus playing on the road. South Carolina, their numbers aren't as bad on offense. Like it's like a touchdown less on the road than at home, and about 100 yards less of total offense, which is kind of concerning. But when you look at A and M, A and M averaging 41 points per game at home and, and over 470 yards of total offense. I just think it's going to be too much. It's going to be way too much for, for South Carolina. They're going to quit. The over under is combined rushing yards in this game. Ooh. Both of these rushing offenses have had some issues this year. So I set the over-under at a very conservative 190. Oh, yeah, under. Well, I mean... South Carolina just had, like, less than a yard per carry against App State. Total... Come on, App State. Come on, App State. App Luke. App Luke. Uh, reaching. Uh, no. <laughs> I'll t- yeah, I would probably take the under on that as well. I might have set that a little bit too high. Let's do our locks of the week. I think that it's a- time for some redemption. I need a little bit of redemption. I'm excited for this one. I thought I originally, originally I was going to go with Michigan State to cover a, I think. Oh my God, I would have killed you. It was like a 13 and a half point spread. 14 and a half would have been a little bit different, but I couldn't take Michigan State given all the issues that they've had this week with the concussion stuff with Brian Lewerke. Just kind of some <sighs> weird stuff going on there as well. Um, wouldn't be surprised if this is the beginning of the end for Mark D'Antonio. Didn't want to do I would, that. I honestly would have fought you if you picked that. that that's like one of those myself. where it's like, Michigan State's like two and ten against the spread, but Dan D'Antonio. There you go. Is ten and one against Michigan against the spread? I'm impressed as, as a non-Big Ten person that you were actually able to pronounce his last name right and didn't say D'Antonio or something like that. I thought you were going to say you're impressed with my research again, but no, no, the the pronunciation <laughs> that's way more impressive. I, you do the research all the time. The pronunciation. I'm great. At, I'm great at words, man. Everyone knows that about me. So I'm going to stay away from that game and instead. I'm going to go to the AAC, which has way more ranked teams than, than the ACC does. But Cincinnati, minus 14 at USF, the future home of our favorite guy, Gene Chizik. Maybe or maybe not. Um, I think that the Bearcats pound the rock. Michael Warren, a guy that I had on my top 25 running backs to start off the year. Uh, shout out to that, which don't look back on that because it's not pretty. Um, I think Luke Fickle stays in the hunt for that group of five bid um, to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. He's somebody that's going to have a lot of interest at the Power Five level, I think, as well. This is another signature victory. Not a signature victory for him, but a statement victory. That's It's shaping up to be them in Memphis to fight for that, uh, that battle to see who goes to New Year's Six down the stretch. Um, I'll be interested to see the way that they come out and play in this one. South Florida, this is an interesting stat. They have yet to beat an FBS team that has a conference win. They have four wins That's in the season. That's a good stat, Connor. What a great stat. Well, one of their wins is against BYU, who's an independent, so I guess that kind of defeats the purpose of it. But, yeah, there you go for stats. I love that. Um, yeah, and they're like three and nine. I, I saw this. It was like, I almost put this one in there. I, I, I love this. I love this pick. Um, I would definitely be more comfortable if you would have just said 13 and a half, like a normal person. No, it's 14. Instead of saying 14. I know, I'm just saying, if you would have bought it down. So if you hit 14, it's not a push. We need to get you back on, on, on the winning track. I just wanted to go by what they had what they had on the spread. I didn't want to buy it down or have people call yeah. me out necessarily. Um, last week, I told you I love that board. I got real excited about it. I threw out so many things, so many things. There was there was there was some beautiful beautiful things on that board from last week. Um, I, I think I went ten and three. You were good last week, real good. Like I missed Stanford and the parlay. I'm not gonna count because it's a parlay. You missed Oregon I'm not gonna count State. Count that as like my lock. 
No, no, I didn't have that in there. Oh, you were going I to that you didn't? Ole Miss first half, Ole Miss full game, right. Clemson first half, Clemson team total, uh, first half full game, Ohio State first half. I didn't play that one, obviously. Um, and I forgot the other one. Oh, Wisconsin first half money line, and there was one more, but I got them all. Um, this week, I, I, I feel really good again. I feel really good. Let's do it. Okay, so here we go. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech. Out here in Bobby Dodd Stadium. Okay. You're going to go to the game? I hate... Do you know... No. No. What? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do you know what the line is, Connor? Mm. Tech. Virginia Tech. Has to be at least a... Oh, man. They, they haven't been that good. Five and a half point favorite? Five and a half points. Uncle Chris... Are they really? Nothing else matters. Yeah, you're so good at this. Dang. Nothing else matters anymore after after the last weekend. Okay. I'm going to bet on a five and a half point spread. Let's do it. So I'm taking Virginia Tech to cover. I'm going to, listen, I am going to take it down to four and a half, regardless. Um, and I love that money line as well. But Georgia Tech is awful. Awful. Like they're, oh, they're just, they're a really bad team. Um, so I like Virginia Tech to win that game, especially after the big win last week against Wake Forest. Uh, and they're on a little bit of a roll. They've, they've covered the spread in four of the last five. Ohio State. We didn't put it up on the on the actual graphic last week, but you you know I bet it. Yep. Um, I bet the over and the first half. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, spread last week. They, who were they playing last week? Last week was Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. This week they have Rutgers. Yeah. Fun fact: they've put up at least fifty points against Rutgers for five straight seasons. The spread's only thirty-one and a half. If we're doing Uncle Chris Bingo, Uncle Chris Gambling Bingo, Ohio State betting Ohio State for you is just the the, the free space. Let's just assume it's yeah. there every week. Without a doubt. Tell us, a tell doubt. us if you're not betting Ohio State. Yeah, I'll take it. They, they've covered eight in a row, eight straight games. I'll take it down to 30 and a half. Um, I'll probably take the over in the first half combined of, of 35. Yeah. Uh, their last three games against, against uh, I'm sure you know this stat, their last three games against against Rutgers, combined score of 166 to three. <laughs> so I'll take that all day. Um, let's see here. Oklahoma, no, actually, sorry about that. Um, t- Texas, plus seven and a half against Iowa State. Interesting line. Very interesting. I, people are all over the uh, the Texas part of that, too, which is, I, I don't, I don't, doesn't make me feel better necessarily. But I will say, they have, uh, they're 14 and four under Herman as an underdog. And and they, Iowa State has not covered the spread in uh, any year that Matt Campbell's been at Iowa State. So, throwing that in there. And... Oh yeah, Bama, Bama first half money line minus ten, taking that. Um, last but not least, oh A and M minus nine and a half. We got a whole bunch of stuff here, buddy. Goodness, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, probably gonna take a, a parlay with Florida, Virginia Tech, and A and M money lines to win. And your absolute lock of the week, Connor. Your absolute. I see lock what you're doing here. Georgia against Auburn. I'll take the money line. Wow. Georgia wins. By more than seven. Wow! Against Auburn, Georgia, Georgia money line is that bet. Uh, that's pretty much it. So this is this, the one thing I was going to say, and I want to get your opinion on it first before I add it in there. The worst thing I've ever seen in gambling. Okay, UMass is playing Northwestern this weekend. Forty point. Favorite. UMass is so yeah. UMass is a consensus uh, like the the last like one hundred thirtieth out of one hundred thirty teams in any almost any metric you look at. They are. Awful. They are absolutely awful. They're one and nine against the spread. Northwestern's also awful against the spread. They're two and seven, I think, like that. So you know, I love my, myself a first half line because the spread is forty and a half points. 
Northwestern has scored what, what is it? They like thirty eight points week? in conference play or something this whole year. It's ridiculous. UMass is giving up thirty six point seven first half points per game. By far the worst in the country. Oh, five over five touchdowns on average per game. You know how many? That's dead last. You know what Northwestern's offense in the first half ranks? Dead last. Dead last. One hundred thirtieth. Five point two points for in the first half of games. I. I think I might just get stupid this week. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take UMass to cover the spread. Yeah, I don't think Northwestern can score 40 points against Air. No, I, I really don't. I mean, they are atrocious. It is yeah. it is really really bad to watch. That's a full slate. My goodness. Yeah, and look at Navy too against Notre Dame. They've covered 12 of the last uh, 14. That's why that, that line was at minus nine or something like that. I saw that and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, that's yeah. why. Okay. And they're coming off a bye week too. Yeah. Let's kick it to our interview with our new best buddy. Sean Alexander, somebody that we tried to have on the podcast like a, a while ago. Oh yeah, did you want to share that 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 quick story that you had about about Sean Alexander that you couldn't bring up organically, but we're like, we'll just talk about it before. I don't, yeah, I don't, so like I just I, when I was growing up, like he was my favorite player. Like I I got his jersey. It was like the be, like the biggest thing ever because it was like not like the typical Bama fan jersey. No offense, guys. It's like the Walmart jersey. It was like the legit one. I, I just I mean he was there was there was a lot of down years there growing up. He was the bright spot. Um, but my mom, the pastor, she doesn't like this stat. Sean Alexander is the only reason I, I remember one single Bible verse. Because his number, I guess he's number 37 because of Psalm 37.4. I'm not going to recite it right now. But just know that I could if I wanted to. And just write it in calligraphy later at home. Remember when you uh, cited Deuteronomy to Tebow and he had to correct you? Yeah, he didn't have to, but he did. That was for sure. Sick brag. Was... Uh, I was talking to Tebow. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Sean was great. We got to talk about a lot of different stuff with him. Had some good takes, uh, some interesting takes uh, about Bama's current rest of season outlook, about them making the playoff, potentially all these different things. So let's kick it to our interview with Marler's childhood favorite, Sean Alexander. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is former Alabama running back slash former NFL MVP slash former Madden cover guy, Sean Alexander. Sean, which one of those three things comes up first when you have a conversation with a stranger? <laughs> uh, depends on your age and what area of the country I'm in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> West Coast, it's Seattle, pretty much anywhere in Alabama. It's, uh, it's um, you know, of course, uh, oh, you're the Crimson Tide guy, you know. And then everybody asked me, did you play with Saban? I was like, Gene Stallings. They're like, wow, you must be old. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if, you're, if you're in the 20s, 25, then you're like, oh, I played with you on Madden. I'm like, 25 or lower. I'm like, okay, how old are you? Yep, okay, I'm tracking, you know. <laughs> so, so it depends on the age of the area. It's, 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 uh, it's pretty cool, though. It, it's cool to be mentioned. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so Sean is, is joining us thanks to Johnsonville, who's hosting a tailgate for um, a tailgate throwdown event prior to the SEC championship game on Saturday, December 7th. The tailgate throwdown is going to feature a cook-off between a couple of SEC fans to determine who has the best sausage recipe in the South. They'll be tailgating across the street from the stadium. So if you're in Atlanta for the title game, be sure to stop by, grab some free food, check out the tailgate throwdown. Sean, uh, we're going to be there. Can Marler and I compete, or did we miss the cutoff for this? I think you all can still put in um, y'all's recipe, and we'll and we'll see what happens. But uh, it, it's pretty nice. cool. You know, John, Johnsonville, um, that official sausage of the SEC, and, and uh, pretty much every weekend at our house, we have – 
um, just a really cool barbecue, and we grill out and we we cook all kind of kind of recipes and and uh, watch some some football and and uh, it's it's been like that for gosh a couple years now and. And we look up, and Johnsonville's like, yeah, we want to do this thing with the SEC. And I was like, hold on a second. No one tailgates like the South <laughs> and pretty much mm-hmm. in every place. Whatever whatever city or whatever team you're in, one thing that's consistent is the Johnsonville sausages on somebody's grill. So so um, it became a pretty cool idea, and people have been sending recipes, and, and we're going to have a good time and eat some food. It's free. So, you know, if y'all going to be there, y'all come, y'all going to at least eat. If y'all can't be in a conversation, I guarantee this, y'all going to eat something. You know, and so yeah, that's but, uh, actually I'd rather do that yeah. anyway. That's perfect. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the it's the best way. You know what I mean? It's the best way. So it's it, it's it's a lot of fun. We're we're gonna have a lot of fun and and crack some jokes and uh and uh you know that's what college football is always special. But you know the games, the atmosphere, the students, um the players, and tailgating. It's it's all it's all together. It's pretty sweet. Marla, we'll uh, we'll workshop that sausage recipe after we hang up the phone here. And we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll going dust off that. that recipe book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you kind of just hinted at it, Sean, but I, I've always been interested in how alums like yourself consume a big game like what Alabama had last weekend against LSU. You've obviously got a lot going on. You and your wife have nine kids. I, I imagine there are a million things that you can be doing on a given Saturday. But how did you consume LSU Alabama, and what were your thoughts on just the way everything played out? Well, you know, I, I usually go to about one or two games a year, and that was one of them. So I was actually in oh. Oh. Uh, Tuscaloosa, and so uh, it, it was sweet. There was about six NFL teams. Uh, eight, uh, six to NFL teams had buys. Eight, if you count the Thursday night game. So I was, I got to go hug on my little nephew Josh Jacobs and uh, and see uh, Ryan Anderson and some of the Redskins, Sean Deion Hamilton. So it was good to see some of them. You know, remembering them at Bama and coming to watch them play. And now they're grown men and making their own money and, and playing in pro. So it was really good to see it. And, uh, you know, us being there was fun. And the atmosphere was just really – it was just good college football. Um, unfortunately, when you're playing against a good team, you can't fumble on the opening drive and your second drive. You can't can't bobble a punt. And, and you can't give up 20 – you can't be down 20 points in, the, in, in, in one minute when you should be going in there down nine. You know? and, so, and so it was a lot of bad things. But what I was really proud of is the boys fought. You know what I mean? Um, they fought to the end, and we lose by five. And I think it's very clear, and I think LSU would even agree, that they don't want to play us in December, and they definitely don't want to play us in January. And so I'm okay with what happened. You know, we we, we, uh, we at Alabama, we, 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 we earned what we earned, you know. And so we didn't win the game, and uh, and we'll go out there and we'll play. Uh, we'll play, we'll finish out the season. And, you know, the way it looks um, – it could be LSU in Georgia in the SEC championship. LSU beats them. There's no way in the world that we're not better than we're not in the top four. I like Ohio State and I like Minnesota. I like I like Slack and and if if Dabo doesn't want to take his probably number three ranked Clemson tires when he's ready to leave Clemson and come to Alabama and save his done, then I would I wouldn't mind taking Minnesota's coach. <laughs> you know, so like I like them. I like Minnesota and I like Ohio State. I think Ohio State will beat them. So I see Ohio State, I see Clemson, I see LSU, and I see us back in it. And, uh, and you know, and, and it's going to be fun because I think everybody's going to say, who do you want to play against? And even if we're the fourth spot, no one's going to want the one seed. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's fair. That's fair. 
that's pretty much the whole interview. Those were all my questions. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. So um, that game, obviously, on Saturday was a classic. It was a nail-biter, went down to the wire. You played in two of those back-to-back, 98-99. Yeah. Um, wish they had the same outcome. But you know, there might not be a better example of how up and down a season a resume can be than that 99 Bama team. The team lost to Louisiana Tech at home um, yeah. and beat a top-10 Florida team twice and won the SEC. In your mind, what should the, the the committee for the college football playoff be taking into account more, good wins or bad losses? You know what? It's it's really weird because I I do like the fact that they're like, you know what, at the end of the day, this team would probably beat that team. And so that's the eye test. And that's kind of scary because you can kind of get your opinion in it. But, but, um, but I like all three of those things being a part of it because – there's still a bunch of 19, 20, 21 year old dudes. You know what I mean? And so they can have a right. bad day, and and all of a sudden you're you're looking at the whole thing differently. Um, but I I I think that a, a good win is very important, but a good loss is is equally as important. You know, I I think yeah, they're all they all just count. Like it, you can't lean it all in one thing because of the fact that they're just young. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know when you play in the pros. There is no bad days, you know what I mean? Like you got to get up and go to work, and it's it's just a little bit different, you know. I I remember at Alabama, dude breaks up with his girlfriend, and we're like, oh crap! Like you got to have a good day today. You know? <laughs> so, so we're 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 massaging our star receiver through this situation, and then you get to the pros, dude's getting a divorce. You're like, oh crap! You got to have a good. But he's like, look, I need to still make these chips because I need to still feed the family. All right, and so it's just two different things, and so. There is a little more wiggle room uh, for people in college football to have that letdown game, and so that's why a good win or a bad loss can—they both make sense, just depending on what's going on. That's fair. I don't—I don't think anybody on the team—I don't know personally, but I don't think anybody on the team uh, broke up their girlfriend the week before that Florida game in '99. So. Take it back there, October second, nineteen ninety nine. I only know that because my sister's first birthday. You ran a counter draw off left behind Chris Samuels to beat Florida in overtime. You had some incredible moments during your career. Not that I remember all of them, um, but what was your most memorable? You know, that Florida game was so sweet uh, because, you know, they were saying, they were telling me and some of the other captains that if we lost the game, they'd fire Mike Dubos, who was our head coach that replaced Gene Stallings. And uh, and they were kind of like it was already a done deal. I remember them being like, "Yeah, hey, we're so sorry your senior year is going like this." I'm like, uh, "Wait a minute, I've got I've got ten touchdowns in four games. What do you mean?" They're like, "Well, the coach, you know, he's saying you got the, you know, you lost on Hail Mary to Louisiana Tech." I'm like, "Yeah, we're good. Like, you know, what I mean, oh, we'll beat Florida, tough. we'll be all right." And and um, and the guy uh, was was kind of like, "Yeah, he was so apologetic." And I said, "Well, hey," and I just kind of leaned over the way I do, and I said, "Hey, here's all I want." When you see me Monday, make sure you come with a bag of apologies for ever doubting the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, uh, and so Love it. It, it's, it's really fun, um, in which that's the kind of guy Alabama produces. You know what I mean? We, we, you know, you, you're, you're cut a little different when you're at Alabama. You know, I think Paul Feinbaum said it best. When, you, uh, when Alabama's compared, it's against perfection, and everybody else is compared to Alabama. And it's a bed that we made, and we can't get out of it, but we don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, we know, like – like our our limits and our on our measure of success has to be way higher than everybody else because when we lose by five everybody throws parades they lift quarterbacks off their shoulders they walk them off the field we're like they put they right. knock down 
We're like, really? It's one game. Come on. When we win, we walk in the locker room. Why? Because the next team we play is going to give us everything they got, you know? And so, so, um, so yeah, but that Florida game was really special because um, I remember getting my helmet knocked off in the middle of the game and, you know, and, and basically blood coming out of my mouth, out of my nose. And all the guys, and I came to the sideline, and and we we just patched everything back together. I put the helmet back on. I was like, "Who's with me?" And it was like those moments where you know you come back in, and we win the game. And I played, I played so hard in the game. You know, like you know, like there's one thing where you like you push yourself to the limit. And I just remember I I probably slept for like three days. Like I, everything I had in that game was was laid out on that field, <laughs> and, uh, and I was so glad we won. <laughs> Great. So you often, you know, you've uh, you've kind of hinted at this as well, you know, talking about, you know, your nephew, Josh Jacobs. And I've changed my tune on this. And part of it is because Marler has kind of talked me off of this take that I think a lot of people have just about Bama bus at running back. And I think a lot of this is the Trent Richardson type deal. And people talk about Eddie Lacy. But if you look around the NFL on a given weekend, you know, you see guys like Mark Ingram and Josh Jacobs and, you know, these guys who are just tearing it up. Even, you know, Kenyon Drake just had a really big week a couple, you know, couple weeks ago. You know, tell the Derek world Henry. and you're – yeah, exactly. Right. Tell the world why – and you were kind of at the forefront of this – why the Bama bust at running back thing is an overblown narrative and that we should probably put this to bed at this point. It, it goes back to what I said. We're measured against perfection all the time. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's no such thing. Like, so when, when an Alabama guy steps on the field – he has to be in the pros better than Emmitt Smith. You know, you know, if we if we went out there and shot the boots <laughs> that we have to be better than Michael Jordan. You're like, really? Come on. Like, it's rarely against the other players that are playing. It just ain't, you know. And so, you know, I, I think, like, when I got to Seattle and I was doing my thing out there, there was, like, you know, and there still is rumors. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, he just – he had a really good line. That's what it was. I'm like, really? Come on. Like, I was the best at Alabama, best in high school, and now I'm lucky in the pros? No, it's it's because once you're at Bama, you're measured against perfection, and we, we've built that, you know what I mean? And so, so you're – you know, so if Trent goes in there and he's a good player but he's not great, he's fired. You know what I mean? Um, Mark Ingram's right. good – he's better than good, but – hey, let's go find someone else that can match with him. And so they both play, and then he goes to another team. He's still playing better than good, you know. And, you know, you get um, uh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's killer. He's a, he's a good starting tailback. He'll go be started on anybody's team. You know, I would love him in Seattle. That'd be sweet, you know. But, but like, it's almost like he's forgotten, you know. And so he, even you all didn't mention his name. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I forgot, yep. So, Don't say you all. <laughs> I definitely did. Yeah. We can go on and on. Here. I, lo- I love this. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's so that's 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 the thing, and so it to play at Alabama, it it it's a heavy, it's a heavy thing to carry. You know what I mean? Because you got to be wired to know that everybody gives your best, and you got to be pretty excellent every week. And then you get to the pros, and it doesn't leave. You could be on the worst team in the league, and they're going to be like, "Well, why didn't you turn this team around?" You're like, "Really?" I, you know, the quarterback before had bad receivers and a bad line, and now I'm here, and they still got bad receivers and a bad line, but now it's me. You know, and so, so that's 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 the thing with Bama guys. I don't I don't know if they're really playing that bad, or or is it that they have to be a little bit better than everybody else all the time? Which once again. You win championships at our school, and you get to go play with other great players. And so sometimes that lowers how great you are, and then also raises the expectation of how great you can be. And so, so it, it's it's a it's a fun journey, 
But like I said, not everybody's built for it. That's all. I love everything you said there. <laughs> uh, everything you said there. Um, I know. I know. I've read uh, and just you know heard that from from many that you've developed a, a good relationship with Najee during his time at Bama. What's it been like for you to see him progress as a player this season? Because I know there's been some frustrations in the past for him, but this season, uh, especially right now, it seems like he's playing his best football. Um, and also, can you talk him into coming back next year? <laughs> um. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, so, uh, you know, when when I was about when I was about to retire, um, it was really cool. Um, uh, some some buddies of mine, and they were all saying like, "Hey, have you got to meet Coach Saban yet?" Some of the guys were already working in the office, and I said, "No, not yet." And they said, "Man, you know, we're, we're going to tell him that you're about to retire from the Seahawks, and and uh, come on out to the Georgia game. It's the Georgia blackout game." I was like, "You know what? Oh, yeah. I'll do that." But so I fly out there and I get there before the game starts and and I'm I uh go in the locker room and it's it's quiet and, and I see Coach Saban and we both smile and I, I walk onto the field with, with some of the people I'm with and ESPN comes up to me and you should check this out. It's really I prophesy what's gonna happen. I said, Gosh, walking in here and seeing the discipline of this team and the talent that's here and the talent that's coming, they're about to make a bear Bryant run. And uh, and I said so. And I said every kid in the country, listen to my words. You're going to want to be here because this run is going to be ridiculous. And so go 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 look at the blackout film because it's it's live on ESPN. And everybody laughs now. Now from that moment, Bama's good. I go in the locker room and I I see uh, uh, Wilson's the quarterback and um, Coffee's the tailback. And that next year I come in and he says, Hey, uh, hey, Sean. Any of the guys you want to talk to, Coach Burns says, Coach Burns running back coach, he says, hey, any of the guys you want to talk to, man, you pull them to the wing. We want them to be just like you. Coach Saban kind of wings, gives the head, you know, hey, Sean, these are your guys. So from that point on, I got to go see this sophomore, Mark Ingram, this freshman, Trent Richardson, and this this redshirt guy, Eddie Lacy. And I said, dang, we about to be falling up in here. I'm, I'm over here jabbing Mark all the time. Dude, you might win the Heisman. It might be the third best running back on this team. He's like, I know, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you go, you go through the line, and um, it's been really sweet. You know, I've, I've had an opportunity to, to to create relationships with all of them. You know, Derek and and Kenyon and uh, and uh, Damien and uh, Bo and uh, and now Najee, and it's it's. It's just sweet watching these guys grow up to become fine young men. Um, see them get their degrees. See them, see them get to live a dream and make it to the NFL. And uh, and Najee's no different. You know what I mean? He plays hard. He wants to be successful. One day he'll tell the world his whole story, and people will be amazed how he how he is as successful as he is because he's he's worked his tail off to go from high school to get to Bama with off the field stuff and and. Um, and uh, in fa- off the field family stuff, and then to get to Bama and work as hard as he does, and continue to get better. You know, once again, he's measured against perfection. You know what I mean? And so, so one, it, it's one of those things where when Mark comes in, he's just hey, you know, they went through the the dark ages with uh, the four coaches, you know, uh, Francione and 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 all of them. You know, Oof. so people were just happy to see anything. You know what I mean? And those <laughs> and Nashula uh-huh. and uh, Price and. And uh, in the end of Dubo, so you get four coaches in four years. So Saban comes in, and, and Coffee's there, and he can play. But 
you're you're pretty much happy to see anything that looks like a life, you know what I mean? But Najee doesn't have that. He's coming behind two Heisman winners, you know, <laughs> bunch of guys right. breaking records. You got Kenyon Drake, who was with Derrick Henry, and Kenyon didn't really get to play as much, but he runs that runs the kickoff back in the national championship. You know, he gets the pros. He does the same thing with the Dolphins, and now he's playing with, you know, like he's behind a bunch of stars, and he's compared to all of them. He does it, oh, but you didn't bust that tackle like Derrick Henry. Oh, you, you didn't cut back like Mark Ingram. Oh, you didn't break the long run like King and Drake. You, you know, oh, you didn't you didn't just right. dominate like Trent Richardson did. So, so he has, um, you know, uh, I'm even thinking of TJ uh, uh, Yeldon. You know, you know, you didn't catch out the backfield like Yeldon. You know, you're like, there's there's no way that you know there's no way that he wins. Like you know, and so so what we always say is Alabama never retires a number. We don't. Everybody's talented, but what you can do is you can you can sew your patch on this wonderful quilt. And so we have to get him, just like everybody else, to understand that no one's going to forget. You know, you know, you want Johnny Johnny Musso, Bobby Humphrey, the guys that came before me. You know what I mean? Um, you don't right. forget those guys, but you can sew your own patch. This quilt and this quilt will keep on going, and so that becomes the new goal. Take everything you learn from everybody that's done it before you and don't let the world pressure you. You just add to it. That's such a good point. Yeah, yeah, for real. I needed this today. (laughs) Um, And people don't talk about this either because Najee, there's no no objective or rational person that could ever look at him as a player and think that he's like underachieved. Everything you just said is spot on. And on top of that, it's the first time pretty much in program history where the offense isn't catered to the run game. Everything is, is based 100%. off the pass. So it's, yeah, and I feel like he still hurdles at least one player every single game. So um, we have one more question, then we'll get you out of here on two minute drill. Uh, this comes from one of our, our listeners, one of our favorite listeners, Jay Woody. He says, What are your thoughts on the new incidentally rule about paying players for their likeness? Um, and, you know, just to follow up with that, I probably owe you several, several hundred dollars for helping me go undefeated in NCAA 98 as a kid. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild. I I have always said that um, I don't mind players getting paid, but I do feel like we need to put it in a place where they can get it when they're a little bit older. And so it's almost like they get they can earn whatever they want, and we can say, hey, you can have this much into your family account. You know, like I told you, like I didn't have enough money to buy a coat when it got cold in Tuscaloosa. So I was like, oh, man, you know. And then I see the whole statement wearing 37s. Not really fair, you know what I mean? Right. Well, what's not fair? That Sean's mother could not afford a new jacket, you know what I mean? Or is it fair that he can get an education? Well, I'm just saying, like, if we balance it out, there should be enough money for Sean to get a new jacket, right? You know, so we can right, do right, that. Right. But, but also, like, you know, should Sean walk around with $100,000 at, at 19 after the LSU game? Probably not. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. You know what I mean? So, so, <laughs> in so, Tuscaloosa, you, know, you just so, own the city. <laughs> that's right. I just became mayor, right? You know? And so, right. And so, 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 can you, so can we put it in a place where he can get it when he turns 23 or 25 and start letting, you know, and get the right financial? we got so many smart people running things. Why can't we just figure this out? Like, can we not put enough money for a kid or every kid to earn so much and then all the rest of it gets put into a file when they're 23 or 25, and then they can start making cuts out of that and almost make it 401k style, but make it 
yeah. earlier because not everybody's going to go to the pros. There are going to be some guys like Trent Richardson. Threes were everywhere, but Trent's not in the pros. And he's, what, 28, you know? Like, can he not make some money off that? That would just make sense. I think that that's easy yeah, I, I if we decide we want to. That's a good point. And it's just teaching the actual, like, the basics of financial responsibility. I'm 33. I wish somebody would have done it for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So... We'll um, we'll get you out of here. This has been great, man. Uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here on our game two minute drill. It's it's gonna be ten rapid fire questions. Um, this is this is gonna be where it gets uh, to be the real journalism and the hard hitting questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I say hard hitting, I mean probably all my favorite childhood memories I'm gonna bring up, and you get borderline uncomfortable. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get it. All right, here we go. First question: Bucket list concert. Ooh, goodness gracious. I, you know, that's not really fair. Like, I, I have free access to a lot of stuff, so I think I'm seeing a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> Sick brag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, like uh, I don't even know. I mean, I'm not even, I don't even do music like I used to. So, I mean, like, maybe if I can have a throwback. Oh, you know, yeah, no, 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 no. I would, like to see, I would actually, actually, I would actually like to see Kanye West's, like, new Christian concert thing that he's doing. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, what's your go-to snack for a road trip? Um, peanut m ms sunflower seeds, Doritos, lemonade. See, I thank God somebody didn't say, like, almonds and cashews or whatever else of the health stuff. That's, that's, that's the answer. That's a lot of points. That's good. Um, yeah. If you were a character on The Office, who would you be? It's really funny. I've been having this conversation with everybody because I've never seen The Office before. No, Sean. No, this is my I have not. Heart's broken. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Like, so someone was like, "Hey, you know, you're on The Office," and I like looked up like what they were talking about, and I saw a guy with glasses, and he was talking about um, the the um, uh, uh, he was talking about fantasy, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I said that's pretty funny," but I haven't seen it before. This, we're, after this like, is, is over, you're going to see me like doing like one of those overreactions from fans like I burned a jersey, but it's going to be over the office thing, Sean. we got to watch The Office. Um, <laughs> really? I'm totally really? kidding. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's good, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fourth question here. Best player you ever played with and against in college? Gosh, the best player I ever played with, honestly, I, I think the most talented was Dwayne Rudd. Like, he That's just what, he was uh, out the line. Uh, he, he was he was pretty awesome, man. He he could do it all. He could let the quarterback go, go cover people, and yeah, he could do it all. Um, and so the guy, best guy, I played with. Ah, oh, man, probably Walter Jones. He was my left tackle. Like he could move like a running back, but he but he was like three hundred pounds, so he blocked people. You know what I mean? And so he was he was. He was pretty phenomenal, uh, pretty phenomenal. Sean Springs was pretty awesome. He was a cornerback, like probably mm-hmm. the fastest guy I've, I've played with. Um, yeah, I, I would say one of those two guys. I like that. Good throwback reference to Dwayne Rudd there. Um, okay, question five. Go-to karaoke song. Uh, oh, my goodness. I don't know why that song just popped my mind, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it because that's great. Uh, what? No. <laughs> uh, gotta say it. Okay. You gotta say it now. Because okay. uh, um, I don't know who sings it. It's uh, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> we know what song that is. That's fine. Barry White? That. That Barry White. Yeah, the first song that that's popped That's right. Head. There oh. you go. 
Lord, but you know what? Uh, I guess that's what we talk about. What we talk about. You know, y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PG it podcast show. Can't be We got we got five more. Um, better home crowd: Bryant Denny Stadium or the Twelfth Man in Seattle? Ooh. See now that like I saw the Twelfth Man really be built like. When I first got there, it was like, oh, we like cheering for our home team. And then I saw it flip to, we're championship football. We're going to go all in. And so to see that, it, it's just awesome because it's like new, crazy passion. You know what I mean? Like Alabama still got that passion yeah. that they have for it. So I like the zeal of the 12th man. It's new. You know what I mean? Because, you know, like people, they, they were called the 12th man before, but they had only had three winning seasons in 25 years before I got there. And I saw us be five years, playoffs every year, division, Super Bowl. You know, they were like, oh, wait a minute. This is what it's like to play for. I'm like, yeah, right. this is what it is. You know, so to see that, oh. that that's awesome. The 12th man. My fiance yeah. is a diehard Seahawks fan. She's going to love that. So, um, Okay, favorite Thanksgiving dish? Man, I'm still simple. I like macaroni and cheese and, and uh, corn pudding. Y'all know what that is? It's like just like a little loop, corn loopier pudding. corn. Yeah, oh, it's so good. It's a family dish out here, and uh, and uh, ham and and cornrow. So yeah, some macaroni and cheese and corn pudding. Those are my two favorites. I like that. Um, you're from Kentucky. Crazier fan base: Kentucky basketball or Bama football? Oh, Bama football all the way. It's close. It's close, but but uh, and I think it might be because it's just right now. You know, like. When I was growing up, Rick Pitino was the coach, so it was, you know, it was nuts. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things like when you win, but it might not be the best compliment, Bama fans. Um, but I agree. Uh, we got two left. Favorite Disney movie? Disney Plus came out yesterday. What's your favorite Disney movie? Lion King, by far. Hands yes. down. There we go. That's that's worth some points there. And last but not least. Sure. Um, let's just get real here. When I was 13, I got your jersey for Christmas. It was the only thing I asked for. Uh, it was too big. My stepmom tried to hem the sleeves to kind of roll them up to show off my guns and make me look cool because I was 13 and didn't have those. Um, uh-huh. It ended up looking like some awkward Roger Maris slash like 80s workout cutoff sleeve shirt. Uh, when you're in Atlanta, can I can I get another jersey or at least a Johnsonville broad from you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you bring a jersey, then we'll sign it. It's funny because uh, Alabama's been talking about maybe producing like the legends, you know what I mean? And so, Ooh. Um, yeah, I think it would be pretty hot. So, uh, <laughs> so Are they going to so, do yeah, it in a so tank top for people like me? Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? I, I think they'll cut it wherever you, wherever you like it, you know, for your fiance, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Perfect. Sean, Let me yeah. add these up here. That is, that is a, that's a perfect score, Sean. Perfect score, even with the office. Yeah, thing. Man. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Very. good. That's good. I, I, I will go. I'll have to go check out the office because, like, like everywhere I go, like somebody mentioned something from it. And I'm like, that show must have been really, really good, you know. It was. But it some was. of us watch the office. I want you guys to remember this. Some of us watch the office, and some of us listen to Barry White. It's priorities. So let's <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's a go-to karaoke. Sean, oh, we will. Uh... We'll let you go listen to some Barry White. Um, thank you uh, on behalf of, of Johnsonville. We're, we're looking forward to seeing you um, in a couple weeks here in Atlanta, sharing our great sausage recipe, which is just going to dominate. We're going to be the kings of sausage in the South. Um, Sean, uh, appreciate it coming on. Uh, we'll have to do this again real soon. Best of luck to everything you got going on, man. 
Hey, thank you, man. Free food. I'll see you Saturday. <laughs> Sounds, Sounds good, good, man. Roll tight. Take care. Appreciate Sean for coming on. Looking forward to seeing him in a couple weeks. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're just gonna show up. We're gonna be like, remember, we're those guys that talked about um, how sausage and berry white. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> also, I didn't even know you could make a sausage recipe. Oh yes, what, you I can. thought I thought it was just there. No, 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 no. You got you got the casing. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. It's a very serious practice that we're gonna learn about and we're gonna master yeah. so that we can win this competition. Fair enough. Fourth and wrong. This first one. My goodness. Um, I, I shouldn't say my goodness. This is something that a lot of people can relate to, but you can relate to it more than I can. I'll just, I'm just going to say that. Is that fair? Is that fair? I mean, not anymore. <laughs> so this- I was I mean, I'm not going to, we're not going to get, there's, okay. So I thought it was funny. This is from Lane Crab. The question is, what's the worst you up question mark text you've ever received or sent and a story behind it? Um, I mean, we're not going to get into the, any of the bad years, I'll say, uh, <laughs> before I met my lovely fiance, I will say there, like, I mean, you gotta, I just drank so much in my twenties and listened to so many sad songs. And I, I remember like, so in college, I remember one time me and my, my ex broke up, like, from like, like when I was like real young and <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I sent her a YouTube link to Brian Adams, uh, Wherever you go, I'll be right here waiting for you. Oh, that's creepy. It we dated for like three years. It's not creepy. It's pathetic. That's you're you're mixing up words here. Yeah, it is. Um, to be fair, I'd also send her a link to the share if I could turn back time thing, and that's actually what got my foot back in the door. But um, <laughs> I, I think like the the I'll say like instead of you up text, but like the morning after text I got from somebody in Athens, uh, like like I was still in college, and I I like. I drink a lot the night before and don't remember all the things that happened. And I got to text my phone saying like, hey, it was so great meeting you last night. Had a blast. Had no idea who it was. And it was like, uh, can't wait to see you today. Thanks for like, blah, blah, blah. Um, your tickets are at Will Call. And it's like March. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, apparently, I had met, uh, met and became very close with the uh, assistant women's basketball coach. Oh of, yeah, and so, and they were playing Bama, so they gave nice. me free tickets to yeah Georgia women's basketball. So that was fun. Did you go to the game? That was for a minute, and then then uh, we left and went back home. Make an was, appearance. Uh, I wanted to know what happened. Like, I was like trying to figure out who this person was because I had no recollection of of any of these things. It's like a little so, bit of a scavenger hunt for you. It was yeah, and just yeah, it was something. Um, all right, second question from Mickey Sheremy. As a kid, which athlete that did not play for your favorite team did you look up to the most? I've got a few here. Basketball, Tracy McGrady was my guy um, back in the day. And I, he was like, ma- the Magic were kind of my team. I didn't grow up in Orlando. I live in Orlando now, but I kind of started rooting for the Magic when Horace Grant when got, got traded there. When they got Shaq and Penny? No, 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 when Horace Grant got traded there. That yeah. was the real the real deal breaker for me. Everybody who watches our, our, our videos that we do for picks and stuff, if you look a little bit closer, you can see the autographed picture of Horace Grant. That's always in the background of those. Several friends in my text thread, like of my, my closest friends, have brought it up before. Yes, Horace Grant is, you know, a legend, whatever. Um, but I would say Tracy McGrady's one of them. Jason Kidd. I have a Jason Kidd Suns jersey. It's pretty boss. I still wear it to the beach every now and then. Sick brag. Um, and then football, I loved Charles Woodson growing up. I just love yeah. the skill set, all the different things that he could do on a, on a given on a given Saturday. And it's not just – I wasn't a Michigan fan growing up, but I love Desmond Howard too, ironically enough, and I'm yeah. just realizing the connection there. Um, but I just love those electric playmakers. I had a, a Charles Woodson Raiders jersey that I used to wear a good amount. 
Okay. Um, and he was like, in terms of guys that weren't on my team, like I always found myself rooting for him, um, rooting on whatever, you know, whatever sort of team he was on. And then there was, I mean, I didn't have any sort of affiliation to Florida necessarily, but I always found myself rooting for Tebow. And I realized that he's yeah. a national name. That's not, that's a, a lot of people are probably in that position as well. But I always love watching Tebow, would root for him, support him, pick, pick him to win whatever game that he was playing. Okay, now we get it. Yeah, we get it. It's way creepier than that, that video I sent. Um, I would say, and this should come as no shock to you, but even when I was young, like I, Chipper Jones was, you know, I was a switch hitter in baseball. I love baseful. I, I remember, I, I brought this up before. I wrote him a, a personal letter when I was like nine. I was like, you're having a great rookie year and your season's heating up and like all this like other <laughs> stuff. And he actually wrote back and sent me a, a autographed 8 by 10 that I still have, which is cool. Um, so him, just because growing up in Atlanta and the Braves and everything like that, but Mickey Mantle was always my guy. Like I, I was always big into like baseball history and I didn't realize until much later cause I wasn't drinking at the age of seven, but, uh, <laughs> Mickey Mantle's, but I mean, I, I always loved Mickey Mantle. He was, he was just an incredible story. And then, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think also this is kind of odd. It's not going to help with the, the jokes about me being like a bandwagon fan, but, uh, I had a full on Kentucky Jersey and shorts that I didn't ask for. I wasn't like a big Kentucky. I'm not like one of those combination Bama football, Kentucky basketball fans. But when I was like 10 or Red Sox yeah, baseball 10, fan. Yeah. But when I was 10, I was a huge Tony Delk fan. Love Tony Delk. Double Don't zeros. know why. Yeah. So I, I had that. Like I never like pulled for Kentucky like really as like a hole in basketball. But I, I love Tony Delk. I don't know. Um, let's see here. From Willie Gray. What? Is one realistic ability would you want to have? This could be anything from being able to hold your breath for an extended amount of time or being a great motivational speaker. I am a great motivational speaker. I want to be able to play guitar. The thing that just kind of comes somewhat natural. I think being able to play guitar has always sounded kind of cool because I think you can do that in a lot of different... Not not to say that... that Don't say settings. I was going to say settings and I stopped myself because then I just pictured the guy who sits there at the park and has his case out and he's looking for tips. Or any party. Or... or any party. But I just think in terms of having a random skill to be able to show off at a given moment if the situation came up organically, not forcing it down people's throats like everybody who can play yeah. guitar can do, I think that that'd be a cool cool ace in the hole to have. I couldn't disagree with you more, but I, like, I, I mean, it'd be cool if you learned to do it. I just don't, like, when that, when the guitar leaves its home, that's when it's, I think it becomes too much. Like, if you ever see a guy at an airport with a guitar, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, if you're not in a band, there's no damn reason to have an entire guitar with you. Um, half a guitar? You're going to have this. half a guitar with you? You shouldn't have, like, where are you going that you're going to need to play the guitar, Gavin? I mean, like, it doesn't make any sense. What about the ukulele? That's better. That honestly is better than, than a giant-ass guitar. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think there's never a good time for you to pull out uh, a, a guitar and and then it's like showing me I don't it's I don't it's like talking about fantasy football. There's never a good time. I'm like you know it's, what? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so let me play Wonderwall that. again. Let me amend that. I'll, I would rather be a ukulele player. I could just sit there and eat my whole. It'd be cool if you did it. And I could look at clouds all day. <laughs> if you, I mean, it'd be cool if you knew how to do it. I just hate when people are like at a party, like how did this guitar get here? Yeah, What's like happening? come on. Um, all right, for me, a square foot math would be cool. That's probably, oh, I could that's probably specific. figure that one out. I'm so bad at square foot math. It's been an ongoing thing to the point now where, like, you know me well enough to know that it's something that's, like, putting such a mind F or pretzel that I just don't want to deal with it. So I just haven't, like, I've tried to learn, how, like, how to do it. 
No clue. I have no idea how many square feet. I'm great at math. I'm great at math. Mental math, one of my strongest suits. I, no clue. I can't, I, I can't figure it out. I, I have no idea. Um, that, and then I wish that I was more, like, I wish I reacted to things, like, initially. Like, the initial reaction you have, like, your knee-jerk reaction, I wish it was uh, full of logic and not emotion. I've responded so much to emotion, and then I... Then I have to apologize to stuff later. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I thought you were going to say uh, you wish you could turn back time. <laughs> that's, that'd be good. Yeah, I could. Um, all right, two more. Do you have Disney Plus yet? If so, what do you think? What are you looking forward to watching most, Josh Deal? I don't have it, but I feel like based on everything I've seen on Twitter, I do have it because that's mm. all everybody's been talking about. And it looks really, really good. And I was starting to go down the rabbit hole of looking up the best Disney Channel original movies of all time. And yes. it's a deep rabbit hole, man. You got into some stuff. Talking about Smart Brink. House. Smart House. Brink is Brink. the first one they ever did. Luck of the Irish. Um, oh. Xenon. No, uh, that one was... That one was pretty good, right? No? Dude, Johnny, Johnny Tsunami. Tsunami. Yeah. That was the best one. I had that to explain to Lauren what one. Johnny Tsunami was, and that was pretty tough. That was Oh, tough. you should watch it with her. That That's the first thing I'll watch when I see it. And then Even Stevens, because I always thought Even Stevens was funny, even even like nowadays. Oh, you know what? And I don't know if they have it, and I I, I will 100% admit to like 2013, the, the bad year we've talked about, being uh, very like up late, 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 late one night, uh, watching Bug Juice episodes on YouTube. I don't even know what that is. Bug Juice was like real world, but for kids, and they were at camp, and it was my favorite. I loved it. Bug Juice doesn't come in jars. So you were, at the time, I'm doing some quick quick math. You were 26? Oh, that part didn't have to be said, but yeah, when it first came out, I was 12. Um, I'll watch Johnny Tsunami at 33. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Bug Juice thing probably isn't as cool. Um, Anyway, five. uh, Yeah, but even Stevens get some beans. Beans beans loved him some bacon. Yeah, that's true. Um, five, how would you describe your life using one word? Krista Barish. Can I be basic here? How- that might be the same thing I was going to say. If, if, if you had to guess what I'm about to say right now, what would it be? Blessed. Thank you. Okay, I don't have to say it. Good. Perfect. Yeah. Um, that's, what I, that's what I I mean. I would go with that one, but I can't. I don't, I don't want to say fortunate because it isn't it, like... It's I've been very, very fortunate, very lucky, but um, I would just say, honestly, uh, for the first time in the past two years, for the first time in 31 years, just genuinely happy, and that's something that has escaped me that's for good. most of my life, that's and good. this is, I've been, like, I'll get, I'll still get upset every now and then, like, I'll get stressed out, and you guys know I don't handle stress that well, but um, I've just never been so, it's screw, it's ruined my comedy, it's 1,000% ruined me being funny. Um, but I'm just, I've, I've just never been so happy and that's, it's, that's been how I'd probably describe my life and awesome. Fantastic. Can't what was the, the Kanye quote that I love so much? And he said, my life's dope and I do dope blank. I, I would agree. I, I can relate to Kanye a lot, but I mean, it's like, seriously, I mean, I'm not, not to complain. I know there are things that, that frustrate us in life and in general, but like, goodness gracious, I'm 29 years old. Last three, two of the last three weeks, you know, we've been on the road going to, you know, SEC football games with tickets that have been paid for. Like, you know, we're sitting yeah. on the 20 yard, or, you know, 20 rows up on the 50 yard line for a top 10 matchup. And then a couple weeks later, we're going to a suite for a Georgia game. Like, 
life is life is pretty good. I found yeah. the woman who I'm spending the rest of my life with. I don't have kids yet, so I don't have to worry about that. Life that is a plus. Life huh? is pretty good. I'm sorry for everybody's kids. I'm sure they're they're a blessing. See, they're sorry a, to yeah, okay, sorry sure. to there. But um, you know, we're enjoying it. We can travel. We can kind of do the things that we want to do. And you know, I get to sit on my butt and watch college football for a living. Life could be a lot worse. And I've I get always, to play in bell choir. So you know. Okay, that should add that one. I've always said that I I wanted like. It, jokingly have a gender reveal party at at our house and then just open a box and just nothing comes out I'm like we're going on vacation still no kids that's pretty good that's pretty yeah. good let's do it might mean too much um we had we we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago at the lsu tailgate that we were at where we got to see a couple of people get married um tie yeah, the knot crazy. it was pretty special um it was in it might mean too much wrote about it whole backstory there shameless plug go read it couple of Kentucky fans got married at halftime during a game last weekend. They're actually in a suite. Um, we saw this via a tweet from Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio. They were in section 108. Um, if you were there, maybe you probably saw them. They both had Cash Daniel jerseys on. Good old number 56. So my question for you is not what you think about this, but did you ever ask Allie about getting married during the Deep South Soldless Rivalry? Uh, no, I did ask her Piedmont to Park? marry me literally at where they first played it there, but yeah. That's oh, exactly. I knew the Piedmont Park reference was going to come in at some time. There you go. Yeah, sometime. Uh, no, people that do that at, uh, I mean, that's uh, public events like that. It's always my, my that's always, that's always, it seems like a lot. I feel like to propose, it's not as bad as proposing at somebody else's wedding. If you do that, we got a lot of stuff. Oh to talk about. gosh, what an awful, awful. I idea. need attention, but that is next eesh, level. Yeesh. Let's do, can we do our, we have five five-star reviews. They're not that long, though. We can, we can yeah, sure. get through these. Um, appreciate everybody who has sent us five-star reviews. We've been waiting on on these to uh, to be able to, to kind of read them back to you. I really, really can't say enough. Everybody who's left us a five-star review, all of these are fantastic. So let's start with Grove Master. I think we know uh, where this person's allegiances lie. Great take on the SEC. Enjoy the take Peaks behind the onion and Coach O axis. It's peel behind the onion, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, Connor is the best kind of SEC fan, a convert that has seen the light. Keep up the good work. That's good. I like that. Marla just I'm, had I'm it pulled not, up yet, so I will do the next one. This is from Jules7823, subject great podcast. I love this podcast so much. Great balance of stats and humor. Thank you, Jules. Love it. 7823. Um, Okay, love you guys. This is from Rake the Jake. I just want to say you guys rock. I want to give a shout out to Marla as a fellow hyperhidrosis sufferer. Oh, that got real. I've had to walk around half my life with a backpack full of fresh socks. Sick brag. <laughs> if you're ever in Wichita, you can come to one of our support groups we have here. They have support groups? Oh. Connor, as someone who was in on a college scholarship for bowling, I must say it is not for nerds. Amen. Uh, well, not only for nerds. What other sport can you eat nachos and drink a beer while competing at the highest level? Sick brag to me, I had a 190 average in my series last weekend, so we're, we're feeling pretty good right now. Um, subject, best pod ever. This is from, Na- I think this is uh, Naomi Loves Football. Uh, this is my favorite podcast to listen to hands down. I look forward to my commute on Monday and Thursday mornings because of this podcast. It is interesting, informative, and funny about one of my favorite things, SEC football. I recommend this podcast and SDS in general to everyone who feels the same way I do about the SEC. I hope you guys get a million five-star reviews. Me too, Naomi Loves Football. Yeah, 
That makes two of us there. Uh, last but not least, I did not write this, I promise. From Easton L, best podcast ever. This is the first thing I look for on Sunday and Thursday mornings. The guys know how to keep things informative, entertaining, and most importantly, clean at all times. Uncle Chris is one of the funniest guys out there, and he's one of my favorite celebrities, even Whoa. though he's a Bama fan. Yeah, I know. I'm going to read that one again. Uh, Connor does a great job as the stat guy. What the hell? Nerd alert. As he has some humorous wit, wit himself. Love the Coach O impressions. Please keep them up. Go Tiger. That was good, Coach O. Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you to everybody who sent us a five-star review. Thank you to everybody who has joined our Facebook group. If you have not yet, it is never too late to join our ever-growing Facebook group. Uh, the Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook. Follow all the game threads, everything that we got going there. Great, great content that's being thrown up. Maybe we'll do another Ask Me Anything sometime real soon here. Yeah. Marler, Facebook Live. We still doing Saturday morning and Tuesday night. Is that the plan? Saturday morning um, at, at 10, and then Tuesday nights right after the, the selection show, so like 8 o'clock. Love it. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram and looking at all those great graphics that Marler put way, way too much time into. God, I'm looking so nervous up, with those up. Oh, looking up all those stats. He's texting me. He's like, hey, does this everything look good? And I'm texting him about the spelling of resume and all these different things, but put a lot of work into being able to, to do those, so definitely go check those out. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara, Marler, Cocho, Matt Luke. Y'all are meeting. You're going down, Cocho. You're going down. You're going down next weekend. So you meet him Matt Luke, head coach, Ole Miss football. It might be too much. Talk to you this weekend.